Hello, this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Gravel. I'm Barrow. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hey! <laughs> oh, no, no. Not really. <laughs> Good job we're in lockdown, Let's JP. Start with some coronavirus based humour. <laughs> Plenty of time to work on that. Was that a shoot or a work cough, mate? That was a worked cough. Oh, okay, I believed it. I, I was, Red I was... heart levels are working there. <laughs> I was completely taken in by it, to be honest. That was the aim. <laughs> no, but so far here it's all right. Although, um, as we've all found out, uh, touch wood, touch wood. Yeah, or should we touch wood? It's a hard serve. I don't know. If we should should we? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> World's still mental, isn't it? It is. Uh, and going? we're now on lockdown, aren't we? Apparently, is Joe going to live in yours now? Is that what the way it is? You just stay in there, Nigel. I think it's illegal for me to like go on like, because it's from now isn't it and yeah. I was here but it's now so I'm like shit am I allowed to go home <laughs> and there's a big police station at the end of the road as well oh yeah shit I'll go the other way I won't be driving <laughs> past that <laughs> and there's a massive police station near you yeah it's around the corner no, no. they're not going to be seeing me there I'm not going past that but yeah yeah so no. uh, maybe I'll be doing some I don't know an, an illegal journey when I leave here this evening but <laughs> Last time I'll get to see JP in person for a while, so, you know, oh, we'll uh, bid, bid each other farewell with some quality audio this evening, I'm sure. Absolutely. What a sad thing, JP, you all stocked up on, like, Ovaltine, and you're, you're all sorted, have you been out? I went out to a shop for the first time on Sunday, it was, uh, it was quite the sight. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not as stocked up as I'm feeling that I, I should be, Um <laughs> which is somewhat problematic. And it's partly because every time I've gone to the supermarket, it's been like completely raided in weird sections, obviously apart from bottles of Corona, which I have zero interest in drinking. <laughs> Tell you what, for the beer snob at the moment, hard times to buy dusty roads. <laughs> it is. Yeah, when I was in Tesco's last week, I was like, I'm going to be in for a while, I'm going to buy some beers. And my God, all the good shit was gone. If you wanted shit lager, you know, yeah. you're a sport choice. I went to yeah. the lager lounge on the cans of Amstel. We're going to be, you know, having a great time in the next few months. But yeah, I'll tell you what, beers I was looking for, gone. I went to my local corner shop for like the first time because I've been obviously isolated. I did my self isolation. I got to day mm. nine. I had to go back to work today, which, you know, it's a crazy thing, but I'm back in work and I'm hopefully fighting fit at this point over my cough, over my fever. Um, and yeah, I went to my, like my local shop and I did the same thing. Went looking for the beer, Joe, thinking, you know, I'll have a little bit of a like, just a mini celebration on my own, you know, stay up late, watch some wrestling at the weekend. Heineken and Chewbog is what I walked away with. I don't know what you think Jeez. on that. Um, Heineken, as far as lager goes, I'm kind of like, if it's going to be like a sort of standard lager, mm. I don't dislike Heineken. It's fine. I wouldn't. Does like, a job. It does a job. I prefer it from the bottle to off a tap, actually. I always find Heineken off tap a bit shit. Uh, although, mm. saying that, I've not had one off tap in years because, <laughs> you know, there's more quality choices for the most part in pubs now and more selection, usually. Um, yeah, I can drink it, but it wouldn't be my first choice. Mm. Uh, I went to, when I went to that like, little shop, like, that's pretty much dead. To be honest, like, I've heard so many horror stories and I was locked away for so long, surviving on takeaway day to day which you're probably not going to be able to do from today but like i went out and to be honest my local shop fully stocked with toilet paper um fully stocked with, with all kinds Ooh. it wasn't wasn't quite as bad if people are stuck and if you're stuck jp just head, head back up to your favorite area character you'll be able to sort yourself out at my uh i think it's the one stop my uh, my local shop you'll be all right although on the way there i was alarming i was literally driving past like 
gangs of lads just hanging out in the street like it was normal. People in parks, like people on in on, on walks in in gangs of like five or six. Nobody around here seems to care very much. Maybe the uh, maybe the lockdown might uh, might sort some of those people out. Good good luck getting some of them indoors. That's all I'll say. It's gonna be like Judge Dredd, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Mick Greg's is closed. You're kind of like you've almost had a, a kind of mini um, Andrew Lincoln and Walking Dead experience, Benno. <laughs> that you 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 kind of had to stay indoors for all those days watching things on that jumbo screen as you kind of <laughs> lapsed in and in and out of coronavirus. Well, How, you're feeling all right. You're feeling all right now, though. Yeah, I mean, it's one of them. I, I said on BWE, so I won't go into too much detail. I'm pretty sure I did have the coronavirus. I had like a, I was updating you guys day by day. I had that bad cough when we podcasted last week. I was literally like three in the morning editing this. Maybe about two in the morning editing this thing last Monday night, and that's when the fever started to onset. And I was like, I'm getting this edit done. I'm finishing this off. And then that, like, literally, I was just ice cold, then red hot, then ice cold. Got up in the morning, I was the same, like, cough, fever, uh, just general body aches and tiredness. I tick all the boxes, although after a, after a whole week of staying off, off, off work and, and going back in today, uh, I did go in and they, have, they marked me off sick and said that I had a cold last week. I feel like that might be underselling it a little bit. But bollocks. I know, Absolute I know. Absolute bollocks. Like, I, I'm hoping that doesn't affect my record long term, because it's one of them. I'm pretty sure I had it, like, as sure as you can be. But there's no testing, is there? Unless you're Idris Elba or one of the other celebrities who managed to get themselves a test. Uh, or a club who can afford to get someone in to test everyone. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, unless you're someone like that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of madness, really. But yeah, I managed to get out the house. I tried to go to Greg's, failed miserably. Both of my local Greg's were closed, and now they've shut down entirely for the duration of the pandemic. Oh. McDonald's is closed. Subway's closed. It's uh, it's end times, that's. It's. It's um yeah, it's just chippies open. I think when yeah, you well, were... I did a walk around my local area yesterday, <clears throat> and the uh, I just got out of the house, and the only places open were the two. Well, there's three chip shops near me. Two of them were open. One of them was shut, but it was open today. When I was out on a run today, the Chinese takeaway was open. Domino's was open. Uh, a hairdresser's was open. And for some bizarre reason, the tanning shop was open. So, you know. <laughs> Key workers there need, in the tanning shop. Mate, if you need your isolation tan, if you want to, you know, <laughs> glow while in isolation, get it in now because that'll be closed soon enough. But yeah, look, they were doing quite the business in there today. When I was like 18, 19, I was into uh, going and getting a tan. I'm, uh, I'm sad. Fucking wow. It was a bit, and you've you seen took me. Your time dropping that into the conversation, Benno, you, didn't you, you? You know how pale and ginger I am, but there was a point in like. The early two thousands, where like that was the scouse lad look. Everyone, everyone, pretty much every Please. lad I knew used to go and get a tan. Like I, I used wow. to. Go to, I used to go Please to this... tell me there's photographic evidence. Oh, there definitely is. Like when I was wrestling as well as that too, because obviously you've got to at that point. But I used to go to a, a local one around the corner from me called Tannerif. Good name. Yeah, Tannerif. <laughs> Mate, you were going to get tans at 18. Yeah, I really was. Yeah, we go go and pay me uh, be three pound for me twelve minutes or whatever it was. It was a it was it was a dark time in my life, but I I'm feel like amazed I good. we ever became friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Joe. You saw that picture of Chris Plapper on Twitter this week. I'm not that amazed. You and your <laughs> your big army jacket and me and me. I've got I'm looking a bit tanned in that with me. And the two of us have got jeans on that could fit a family of four. 
Oh, me and Same. you both, mate. Yeah, You're both <laughs> off to an Oasis concert, weren't you? <laughs> I've got like proper rapper jeans on by the look. You of really them. have, so, haven't you? Yeah, I loved that coat. It looks shit in hindsight. It really does. <laughs> it's a proper cool coat at the, at the time. I got it from this like drum and bass shop in Southampton or something. Yeah, Bloody wasn't hell. really into drum and bass, but loved the coat. I, I, I remember I, places like that. It looks a bit like Jeremy's coat in Peep Show. Yes. Mate, I, I used to think the exact same thing. Mm. Like I remember I hadn't, I'd watched Peep Show at the time and I bought it, but I wasn't really into it. And I think I got into it. Yeah, it would have been around that time I got into it. Series 4 I got into it. That was 2006, seven. Yeah, so I would have been. I remember thinking, ah, oh, that looks like my coat. And thinking Jeremy was like, not cool, but I was like, ah, he's not the worst person to have the same same clothes as in hindsight he really fucking is it's <laughs> <laughs> so it looked like a, was that taken in the crazy house then no nah, that would have been at the um the olympia Olympi- wasn't it the olympia that yeah. was at the olympia yeah mm-hmm. you, like you'd, you were, you'd been on the session as well i don't think i had mate. <laughs> i think <laughs> you were good boys at that point just, jp i think at that evening i was definitely at, to, to, to use a jp quote on the tear down the crazy house. Uh, <laughs> but at that point, I think I was staying sober for the show so I could, you know, focus and take in the uh, minutiae of the action, let's say. And aim that bottle correctly. That was the year before. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'd known each other a year at that point, Joe. Um, but yeah, I've been, it's funny because I was going through, like, just filling the time this week watching old stuff. And I'm going to mention an old ROH show I watched uh, later on. But, like, I, I went back and watched one of the first ROH shows I went to in 2005. It's like this random Chicago show. And there's a point where Daniel Bryan and, uh, sorry, Brian Danielson, losing ROH crowd points there, and it had Homicide brawling through the crowd. Uh, I put the picture on Twitter because it's literally, you can tell I'm very purposely trying to get myself on camera. Because at that point in my life, I couldn't think of a better honor than to appear on, on a ring of on a DVD <laughs> and I've literally stood there. I look like a cardboard cutout in my beanie hat my Colt Cabana UK tour shirt and again the world's baggiest jeans uh, Lord knows what JP was thinking of us uh, in these old photos well, you'd gone past your tanning phase at that point hadn't you <laughs> I had a bit of a tan to be honest with you mate I had a little bit a little bit I was still, uh, still into a cheeky tan, tan. what's your dad like <laughs> What are you doing, son? Oh, he definitely was, yeah. Honestly, it was so it was so common. Hopefully, I don't know if we were really tanning that before it was cool, mate. That's that's all. It was a very very scouse thing. I think it was a northern thing for a while. Like all the lads wanting to uh, look tanned when they when they go on their nights out, and me being again like the gingest palest person in the world, it couldn't have looked any harder. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other northerners who listen to this show, and you know the first one that comes to mind, Andy Ogden. Can't imagine him going out and getting a tan. <laughs> And, you know, I could see him being a bit of a party boy in his younger days. I've seen some pictures mm, of him. Not, not going out and getting a fake hand. Jeff, do you reckon he would? Can't see Jeff. I think, Je- no, I think Jeff's judging me right now. That. I can feel him. Yeah, I, I can't see that happening. I'm trying to think of an orders. Your scouse mates, like Cole and... Um, Gary. Yeah, Matty Edwards. I can't see them going out and getting a fake I could tans. see Matty Edwards getting a tan. <laughs> really? I don't I think he see... would, but I think he'd know people who did, uh, I'm guessing. I'll have to, I'll, 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 I'll do some digging. <laughs> I'll find out if yeah. I was just the abnormal one where I spend all my money on yeah, these fake Mate, tans. we have a lot of time to kill, so tanning <laughs> crazes in Merseyside around the, the early part of the noughties is certainly a topic that I'm kind of happy to go do a deep dive on. <laughs> Yeah, we need the content. Um, yeah, have you the... have you been filling your time these last this last week or so? Uh... Hey, we've been at work. Have so you? yeah, we we were at work up until Friday, but with lots of students kind of saying we can't come in because we're self isolating. Some of them being chances. 
Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, you know, we're just trying to, you know, we were there told to carry on. It was one of the maddest weeks I think we've both ever had in the it world. It was nuts. Mm. It was crazy. And all of a sudden you just be like, all right, teaching online. And you're like, okay. And I think there's a perception of that. A lot of this stuff is a bit trickier than just saying, do it online. Can't really, it doesn't really, life doesn't really work like that mm. a lot of the time. So, like, yeah, working today's been a bit, been a bit sort of different than usual mm. in terms of like the things that we have to do. But yeah, yeah, really weird. Yeah. Like, keep, keep in town like 50 students online for the next few months and making sure they pass uh, their qualification is going to be challenging to say yeah. the least, put it that way. Yeah. So yeah, we're now yeah, so we're now working from home now at this point. But outside of that, um there's some you know, we had a cracking Saturday night, which are gonna Oh, we really did have a good Saturday night, didn't we? We we can't talk about it today, can yeah. we? Yeah, there might be a little bit. We talked about a bit of it today, but not yeah. on not the rest. I did know what else to say. So yeah, other than that, so we've still been at work and yeah, we're only now getting into the part of, of sort of doing stuff while having wrestling on in the background mm. for a lot of the day. Well if you want to hear the uh what we did on Saturday night, we've got a bonus episode coming up this week, haven't we? Should we, we talk about it now yeah. quickly? Yeah, go on. Tease it a little bit. Yeah, we'll give it a cheeky little teaser. For the Grapple one-year anniversary, year this week, since we uh, transferred from, um, well, since we killed the indie corner <laughs> and transferred <laughs> over to Grapple. Yeah, the spotlight uh, anniversary, yeah. Grapple, we, uh, we joined yeah, Grapple. Yeah, yes. yeah we're going to do a uh, WCW pre-Hogan special of sorts. Uh, we're going to do that with a good friend uh, of... Uh, how would I describe it? Your other podcast, Benno. The Brigadier uh, of Brit Res. Yeah, British yeah, Wrestling Br- Experience. Yeah, the Brigadier of Brit Res, Martin Bushby. And that'll be coming up. Is that Thursday or Friday that's going to be out? Uh, probably we'll- Friday. Let's not make too many promises. <laughs> but yeah, it should be out Friday. Um, or you could be pleasantly surprised on a Thursday. Yeah, at, at this point, I think people will take whatever surprises. They're kind of you yeah. know, nice surprises, not yeah. virus-based surprises. So yeah. me Don't and, any of that. Me and JP had a trip to Tesco where we, we walked through uh, empty aisles looking at empty shelves, apart from the crisps. Stab of crisps. Yeah, it really of, was. If you, if you need crisps in you know times of crisis, you're going to be sorted. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we had a cracking night, didn't we? Some of the you know making the most of the last bits of social interaction we can have yeah. while watching some classic WCW. It was a great night, and there was a point where we just said to each other after about two hours, "I've not thought about the coronavirus for two hours." It was like, yeah, yeah, this That's is how good want. this pay per view is. Yeah. I can't wait to have Martin on just to ask him about that photo that he put on Twitter. Speaking of old photos, there's like a photo of him and his mates, isn't there, at the crowd on one of these WCW shows, like a, the Hulkamania tour 94 or something like that. Uh, looks amazing. Well-known well Hulkamaniac Martin Bushby, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, even at that point, he wouldn't have been going going for that. But yeah, um, yeah those point, those kind of shows, you know, they were really hot to go to because I was there the year before when they did the... Um, title change in london mm. the one with uh from vader to sting then he lost it back in dublin i think um but those shows were kind of like he he looked but he was absolutely you know he looked like he was buzzing there was a couple of items that christ knows what what was going on in those photos but yeah yeah good bit of classic retro wcw <laughs> There you go, yeah. And Gareth's um, done the Lord's work, and uh, we'll be having Gareth on as well over the coming weeks too. We put a load mm-hmm. of uh, 
work into putting the WCW, is it 92 to 94? I think it's 90 to yep. 94. I don't want to um, put too many words in as well. Is that right, JP? I, th- I think he said 92 to 94. I thought it was 92 to 94, yeah. but um, mm. I'll tell you what. I think that's I, right, yeah. I, yeah. I think there's some 90, 92 stuff on there, possibly. I can't mm. remember off the top of my head, but he definitely it's definitely 92 to 94 he's put on. There you go. So if anyone's like us and they're uh, the binge watching, yeah, just to confirm, it is 1992 to 1984. Uh, if you're watching uh, binge watching any old WCW in these in these end times and having to uh, to find yourself some entertainment, you can uh, watch along with the uh, the grapple community and uh, throw some ratings on there. Yeah, we we got our we got our first set of ratings up on there, mm. and, it, and even a couple of we started watching a bit of Beach Blast '92. Oh, for tonight, and there's. there's Lots of good stuff to pick through. It's like the the start of the Ron Simmons push after mm. he was after he beat Terence Taylor. Little teaser there. JP was getting very nostalgic, weren't you? I am big big Ron Simmons yeah. fan back in the day. <laughs> big Missy big Missy Hyatt fan as well, weren't you? <laughs> that, that bikini contest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was very much in my wheelhouse around mm. ninety two, ninety three. She's all right, Missy. She's a bit of a smart mark, isn't she? I follow her on Twitter, and she's very uh, she's very in tune with the modern product in ways that most like. Old wrestlers aren't. Big mates with Dave Meltzer, Joe was telling me. Mm, I believe so. Uh, he was talking about he won't get to see her at WrestleMania this year or something. He was gutted. Oh, he's got to the bar. I'm sure he was. That's the, that seems like an unlikely combo. <laughs> I mean, That's... like if they were solving crimes and stuff, that'd be a really wacky duo to have. In there. <laughs> God bless, isn't it? Takes different strokes to change the world. Uh, or does it god knows what world we have at the moment sorry yeah if we've got one left well, do you want to tell us what else you've been doing JP I heard you were, you were playing football manager I'm waiting for the TW 2020 to come out that's going to be my uh, hopefully I can go on lockdown a second time and get the coronavirus a second time so I can sit in the house in my undies and watch and play TW uh, have you lost your life to football manager yet I started last night uh, Shamrock Rovers on there and at 20 to 2 in the morning I was like right i need to go to bed because i have to start working and i thought this is how it starts <laughs> and my nat my inclination this morning would have been just get up and load it up again i was like i can't can't even look at it you're back the on day. the horse aren't you it feels that way isn't it it really is it's it's i heard it being brought up on um football weekly that the free trial they're doing for people for a week it is like a crack dealer's turned up at the worst possible time, start offering you some crack to get through some really bad times. So many people have said to me, oh, I should start football manager again. I'm like, I've not played it since I was 16. Like, my GCSEs, I was like, well, I'm not playing football, ma- like, I'm not playing champ manager because I'm so addicted to it. I need to revise. And I've not played it since. And honestly, I was, I was uh, like an addict. Like, you know, alcoholism is real champ manager addiction was real i've not played it in 17 years that's 17 years on the straight and narrow i can't ever play it again <laughs> so would that have been like champ man 2003 is that was that your era uh last one would have been 0102 that's so a classic i was I, I had 97 98 uh 2000 2001 and 2001 2 so i've not played one since so like it looks way too complicated for my liking now anyway but yeah, I worry for my health. Like there was a summer between uh, year ten and year eleven where I was grounded for a month, and lich. I was basically in self isolation then, and all I did for that month was play like relentless, non-stop champ manager. Like I was ridiculous. Like yeah, parts of my life rolled around it. 
my school had a subscription to work the library, a subscription to World Soccer. And from year seven for year 11, I would go in every month and just nick the copy of World Soccer. <laughs> so I basically had a free subscription. So like my knowledge at that point in time of like world football was like well good. So <laughs> I was pretty hot on Champ Manager. And oh yeah, had some had some amazing times. Then the year of Tonton Zola and Tonton Zola Makoku, yeah, Kennedy like, Bakasi Oglu. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some good Swedish lads who came through. <laughs> well, they were always, you know, defender, defensive midfielder, midfielder, right, left, centre, both footed. Yeah, and like players like Kim Kalstrom got really good as well. Yeah, yeah. Richard Darby, do you remember him? He got good. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Hendry on mine had like a recording was like a record England cap setter I think as well if I remember rightly Jesus like my 2000 I was a World Cup like maybe 2010 Lee Hendry was like leading them out I think <laughs> yeah well, there's a good looking man Lee Hendry played for Aston Villa yeah 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 poor man's Jack Grealish he kind of is isn't he, <laughs> he yeah, really yeah, is in many ways he really is <laughs> um, it was yeah, God it's a, yeah uh, well this version now it's 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 far too detailed. I'll mm. say that much for it. Because when was the last time you played it, Benno? I would say like I, I I picked it up and played a classic one maybe like ten years ago. So like I'm talking like when I used to have it on like the shitty old PC in, in my living room. It was the Champman years, like before it. Like mm. it was the switch, wasn't it? There was a point in like history where all the Championship Manager staff switched over to Football Manager, and that became the good game. And like the championship manager game kind of carried on as a shell of its former self. So it was around that time, I'd say, as far back as I'd go to for playing on it. Um, but no, I definitely had the, the same feeling where you just lose your life in it. Um, I think, the, I think the, the last one I played was the first one where it switched from being just the text to actually having the dots of the players that you'd follow along like, during the match. I'm sure it's 10 times more advanced than that now. But I don't really want to know. That was the real game to me. Oh, there's... There's highlights and all sorts you can go through, so you're sort of seeing the goals to a mm. reasonable degree. Um, I've taken on a tough, so have, have a guess which country I'm managing in. Ireland. Yep. <laughs> Sh- Shamrock Rovers. <laughs> Mixed bag so far. Going to finish second in the league. Took them to the European group stages, though. Joined halfway through the season. No money. Mm. Can't pay anyone big salaries at all. And went on a European run. Started off first round le- qualifying round. Legia Warsaw beat them um, home and away. Played uh, Levski Sofia after that. Got through that one. Spartak Moscow won three 0 away with Shamrock Rovers. I wasn't cheating. I wasn't editing and putting in a brilliant version of myself in or anything. JP's tour behind the Iron Curtain. Like this sounds oh. awesome. <laughs> and then ended up with. Uh, they then stopped off in Portugal. Went to Vitoria Guimarães. Where beat them. Well, away 2-1 and drew 1-1 one, one, one at home. I imagine. Yeah, so they're in there, but my squad is fucked because they've been playing twice a week and they just haven't got the levels to keep up. So the league hunt has gone down. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I made the club a load of money. So I'm curious to see whether I'll get sacked. Got Man United coming up next as well. Got yeah. Man U coming up in a couple of games. Yeah, yeah, that's it's... Yeah, exciting stuff on this front, and this probably will be a recurring segment at the point as I descend into pure full-blown... Uh, football manager addiction. I think a giant slaying at Old Trafford is due. The mob I've got, no fucking chance. <laughs> Absolutely none. Like, well, well, yesterday, I'll tell you what, if you want some inspiration... This is why I was there till 20 to 2, because this run was going on. I was right, like... It used to happen to me. When my when the PC was moved into my room as well, my God, it was... it was Yeah, 
it was game over. Like mm. I was just, I'd be doing something while playing champ manager. Like I was just, it was ridiculous when I think back, like how many hours I put in on there. Like I just can never do it again. There always, there's a great film about it. I, 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 that about champ man and they talk about yeah. how people are addicted to champ man as well somebody had made a stand-up show called how i lost my life to championship manager and it's very you know it is it is very good fun it explains about the addiction it explains about alex mcleish when he was rangers manager was looking to sign someone and his son had been playing champ man and told him about two kids in the barcelona academy messi and oh um uh iniesta wow he, so McLeish approached Barcelona. They wow. said there's no chance of you getting Messi, but they were interested in possibly loaning them Iniesta. Then there was an in- injury in midfield, I think maybe possibly to Guardiola, and then he got in the side after they, that, and then that was that. They were wow. spot on with their like coaching network. Like I, I've done that. The last game I played, I went back and paid like mm. 2002 Champ Man, something like that, and went Everton and went and sat and signed Messi as like a youth. And he was like 16 or something like that in the game, maybe 17. Um, I can't remember what year game it was I was playing. But he was like, he was clearly in the game, ready to be like a major star. Like they knew at that point that the scout network went that deep. Because there was always those stories. I think at one point, apparently like David Moyes, he kept like a database on championship manager. That was always a rumor on like the Everton forums used to go on. That he kept like this big database from literally that he'd taken from, it must have been football manager at that point. And that's how we'd like, catalog the players that he was into and stuff it's it's kind of like how i imagine jeff jarrett um remember he said that he had like a database of all the wrestlers <laughs> in the world i reckon he just had like a game of ewr and he was just using that to do it but i'm sure i'm sure you know we, we think about we think about like these as being just silly games but the top men in the in in, in sports have uh have used these databases before well you say that i was listening back to old podcasts and the one where cody's been interviewed by um dave and garrett on wrestling observer and one of the things that he he was saying about Tony Khan being a real data guy mm. and like everything is around that kind of money ball <laughs> theory of, of, of how you get people in. Mm. So maybe, you know, Chan Man seems like football manager seems like be right down his big, alleyway. Big time. He's got no a cracking... to do it. I'm surprised he has time to take a shit, frankly, <laughs> the amount of running around he does. I think while he's having a shit, Big Tone's got like a cracking game of EWR going. I'd love to see his save. What's going on in there? <laughs> well, he's doing a cracking job with his EWR. And trust me, there's one of the things that's in Football Manager, coronavirus. Coronavirus is in Football Manager. So, like, maybe it's sneak its way into EWR as well. <laughs> take people out. Sorry yeah. sorry to go back on it. I'm pissed off about it. It's my keeper. Northern, just got in a Northern Ireland squad. <laughs> coronavirus. So what the fuck is this? Seven months out. Another bloke got it. I'm in a six-month contract. I was like, played one game. Got coronavirus to go the, home. Why is the lead up been suspended? I, d- just carrying on. Keep Thousands calm and carry people. on, JP. It very much is. Which <laughs> doesn't really... It's not a very Irish expression, that one, really, oh. is it? My um, brother's but, work, we're trying to get him to come into work today, not to go back to it. But he's literally lost his sense of taste and smell. I'm like, ah, you'll be fine. Just come to work. It's like, fuck. Yeah, man. I've heard a few. I've heard a few stories mm. on this. I think people need to start going to the press and the old bill and just yeah. saying, look, this is what the situation is. And yeah, like, yeah. there's an ease that these people whose lives are so dictated by their work and their head is in their job constantly. 
I get it if you're like a, I don't know, a Tony Khan or a Vince McMahon running a major company like this. I sort of understand it, right? But if you're someone who just works, I don't know, for some company as a manager and you've decided to channel your entire identity and existence through that fucking job role, sort yep. yourself the fuck out, seriously. Mm. There are bigger things going on in the world, not just during the coronavirus, but just on the, on the day-to-day anyway. There's more to life than fucking work. Anyway... Oh, and and I Alan. quite like my job. There you go. I was saying that to Alan Manis on the games. He had a really good season for Shamrock <laughs> Rovers. And the thing is, just to that point, he Alan got picked. Malice. Alan Manis. He's oh, played right. for St. Johnston. Northern how, Irish that, keeper. How do you know that? Well, I just know these things. Um, so <laughs> do you know a lot he, about the SPL but before well? us, No, let me finish. He, he got into the Northern <laughs> Irish squad after a couple of year absence. Good story. Gets coronavirus. Next thing I get a message saying that he wants to retire from the game. Like, he's completely disillusioned. Like, Fuck me, things went south very quickly for Alan. I didn't hassle him. I didn't say, you know, mate, you're coming back into work. And I tell you what, the other keepers have got shit. <laughs> So I could have fucking done with him. And Coronavirus your, assistant or man- no- your assistant manager ain't happy on oh, is he? Offered the assistant manager a new contract. He said, I'm not interested in talking about this because I've got a strong dislike for Shamrock Rovers. In fairness, he used to play for Bohemians. But I thought, still, like, <laughs> how am I meant to work with you for the next few months then? So, yeah, it's all... I'll let you know it's going next time, but it seems to be going tits up already within the space of a day on Football Manager. I want to know you're going against Man United. Will you yeah. keep us updated? Oh, we'll keep you updated on that. Look, if you want some inspiration for a giant slaying at Old Trafford, yesterday I stuck my TV on and was like, oh yes, classic FA Cup highlights match of the day on BBC One. I stuck with it. And uh, there was Everton Ipswich from 1984, Benno. Graham Sharp's got an awful penalty. I always like that. Um, then there was... Uh, you Matt- saw him like Roy Chubby Brown gift, didn't you? <laughs> Continue from last week, yeah, where we left off. Doesn't make him look very good, does it? That he stuck around for it. Oh, oh Graham. <laughs> but then afterwards, there was uh, Man United versus Portsmouth from 2008, a game I remember very well, where uh, United just dominated Pompey for 90 minutes, and Pompey, uh, proper smash and grab job when Thomas Kushak got sent off and Rio Ferdinand had to go and go, and Sully Montari scored a penalty <laughs> to put Pompey through. That's a proper giant slaying at Old Trafford, that was. So if you want some inspiration, mate, get on the iPlayer, have a watch of that beforehand. Ari's tactics in 2008 could work out for you in 2020. <laughs> so I'll really give it a go. You say much inspiration from Ari Redknapp? You've got the sort of Ari Redknapp I, vibe. What, about, in, yeah. in, I could in, see in you a, winding in a, window in down. avoiding uh, HMRC, then yeah, I'll take his advice <laughs> early on that. <laughs> you got that same vibe. Non-declaration of earnings. He's definitely the man I'm going to. But you got a similar sense of humour. I, I could see I you on Sky Sports on deadline day, like outside the training ground. You wouldn't have a car; though. you'd be on your bike, and they'd be like, "Oh, come on, JP, any, 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 any signing anyone?" And you'd be standing there going, oh, I don't know, we've got a couple of irons in the fire. <laughs> well, what a leaning out of a leaning out of a car and leaving Peter Odom Wingy to sort of sit, in, <laughs> oh, sit yeah. in a cab of his own when he can't sign for anyone. Look, if everyone we know does wrestling podcasts, who is most similar to Harry Redknapp? It's you. Right, I don't know <laughs> if that's been a topic of discussion. It is now, I'm making it. <laughs> All right. And you win. Okay. East London, North London for you, you know. Same thing, give or take. It is, yeah. He grew up an Arsenal fan as well. That's a podcast I listen to. You you and Harry going back to in like classic uh, Arsenal or something like that, JP? Uh, He would just end up slagging us off and going like, and and there'd be a point I'd be like, mate, I'm not, 
he very much turned against us, as he probably would do in the same way like Michael Owen was a big Everton fan and then said, yeah, when you get years of abuse from them, you start to kind of move away from what your boyhood club was. Carragher was as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Oh. There's, there's photos of him. As like a, his fam- whole family would have a tone. Like his dad's like still a hardcore blue. Um, but yeah, it's one, of, it's one of them. I think there were, there were like photos of like Steven Gerrard as a kid with an Everton kit on. I'm not sure if they were ever doctored. Um, I think it's with Jamie Carragher, though. It's like he's played for Liverpool to a point now where you can't really argue against it. But I think his... Uh, yeah. My brother was the same. My little brother supported Everton until he was too old to realise we were shite. And then he switched over to Liverpool. Uh, I think if you play for the youth team, though, I think it's fair enough to uh, to switch over. I think that situation is very much happening in Grapple Gareth's house as we speak, isn't it? <laughs> that that whole kind of uh, what, what's going to go on in terms of uh, Liverpool in that house. Mm. Yeah, don't envy it. I, I never gave my children a choice. I said it's them or it's no one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to give Spurs money at any point. Work with the eldest one. Younger one couldn't really give a shit. Oh, that's it. My dad used to take my little brother to Liverpool games when he started to port Liverpool. My dad being like one of the most hardcore, bitter Evertonians, like I've said oh. on the podcast before. Like he's literally they won games, and my dad sent my brother texts like murderers, like literally like venom. Jeez. <laughs> my dad is one of the ven- most venomous Evertonians on his day. Uh, but he, to be fair to him, like, I always kind of look at that and go, you know what? He was a good dad. The fact that he'd go to Anfield and sit in the cop, like he probably only did it a handful of times, but it was a big step for me, dad, to be willing to do that. I can't see you doing that with the lads, though, JP. Absolutely no chance. Honestly, I'm surprised he just, you know, just no chance being able to walk into that. <laughs> yeah, the only time I ever had to do it was I had, to, I was, I had tickets for a Chelsea-Arsenal game. Do you remember a 5-3, really crazy early morning yeah. kickoff? John Terry, well, I was there, sat basically on the halfway line. Andre Santos. Andre Santos, pub player who scored an amazing goal at the start of the second half. But I had to keep completely stung while these goals were going in. And they were wondering at the end of the game while I'd wait around to take photos of the scoreboard that said 5-3. And I just tried to pretend that I was an American tourist. You had a wild day that day, didn't you? Yeah, that was... I'm not going into it now, but that was a wild, wild day. That was like... I reckon that was the first year on... Yeah, I, I think we, we met 2010, so that was the start of the 2011-12 season, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Because I remember you telling me all about it at the train station and uh, going into great detail. And also a transfer deadline day and you losing your mind. You signed Andre Santos, Arteta and Mertesacker. <laughs> That's and uh, yeah, yeah. And it was the days when I would still pay attention to transfer deadline days if it was a thing, until I got fed up of Sky's fucking transfer deadline cattle market shite, overhyped rubbish that it's turned into. They use football manager stats. Sorry to bring it around back onto that again. They use football manager stats on Sky Sports News. Do they? Going well, this player has got sixteen quickness. I'm like, are we using that? Is that like, (laughs) is that considered a fair method of, of judging people? I want to see Big Tone starting to do that with EWR and AEW. Like that's, that's the obvious next step. Um, well, he's, he, we might as well go into it. I <laughs> thought, given how everything was stacked against them, what a show they put on. Good, good, good segue that, JP. Yeah, like honestly. It was, wasn't it? Like the, we, we, we literally spent last week sitting here kind of ripping apart WWE, and there's going to be more of that to come today, trust me. Oh, yeah. And their, and their version of it, and we were saying, oh, like, oh, the Osprey version was so much better, just, like, on a low-level indie point of view, but, like, AW, just the simple things, 
putting the TV on and like you know not not focusing your hard cam on all the empty chairs. That's probably a good idea, isn't it? Maybe using yep. some of your leftover wrestlers to do bets in the crowd, but also act as a surrogate audience. That's probably a good idea, isn't it? Uh, oh, so it was just so much better in feel and, and execution. Like I was this time last week, I was one of those people going MCU and wrestling doesn't work. This week. Haven't seen AEW pull it off. Haven't seen GCW pull it off, which I'll mention in a bit. Haven't seen that Osprey show. I think we we all know where the the actual uh, fault lies with uh, with making this this uh, no no fans wrestling thing work. Yeah, I've heard it best explained as WWE would put on that show regardless of if there's an audience or if there isn't an audience. That's exactly the show they're putting on, and what they can't grasp is that these major events have changed and you have to really acknowledge them. Mm. And that's not something that they kind of want to do. Well, they don't even refer to the coronavirus. No, though, exactly. Right? And neither did AEW, but I think AEW were a bit better, a bit less surgical about it. Like WWE. Cody basically did in his opening he, promo. Yeah. Yeah, without saying the word coronavirus. Or, but you know, they weren't. The thing with WWE is it's obvious that there's a decree out there not to say the word. So everyone's awkwardly trying to work around it. Like even in the press releases, they're just talking about like, you know, with the current situation in the world. Like there's no, at no point has anybody ever explained why there's no fans at the show or what's going on or why why things are changing. That's the difference, I think. Well, exactly. Why why people are so inexplicable, go on one bit, why people are so inexplicably happy to be walking out into an empty arena. <laughs> well, there was a, yeah. There was a general tone up to Cody's promo, though. Yeah. And it, it got across the mood that everyone was kind of feeling mm. and what the, their role was going to be that evening in terms of what they've been, what they're going to do during like this time of crisis. I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't take note of him not mention it to be honest with you, but it felt obvious what he was referring to and like the way the mood and the tone was set on the night. I thought was actually very good. I thought yeah. he was the perfect guy to open it. I liked the way they opened it. It looked different. The production was good. I thought the opening promo segment was really good. I thought the interaction between the guys, the hangman pages, like subtle kind of nod with the with the shot or whatever it was he was drinking there, all really nicely put together. I thought. Mm. Yeah, I think they they just they just made it. They kind of they read the room better than WWE did, and they mm. kind of they just they set the tone so much better. Like as as soon as like I was I'd have I'd have one of my one of my corona naps and I basically woke up ten minutes into the show and I saw Cody in the ring I was like I need to rewind this. I need to I need to know what's happening in this segment. Yeah, it was just it was such a, a world away from the shite that WWE have been offering these last couple of weeks. Well it was because they sounded like human beings. That entire promo sounded like real human beings talking, acknowledging acknowledging something and then saying we're going to do stuff that's going to be effectively just kind of switch your head off for a couple of hours which means at that point they've kind of earned the goodwill for you to go oh yeah i can enjoy this because this is where it is but they're not pretending that nothing's happening and it was organic and natural and big shout out to the commentary oh, really good really good and really nice fun light-hearted stuff I thought refreshing. Yeah, it really was refreshing. And I thought even when Jericho turned up for the commentary result, that was good fun to listen to because he didn't do his thing of just trying to browbeat the announcers or anything else or just go after Excalibur the whole time. He does a little bit, but he kind of has digs at everyone along the way. But Jericho's funny. Laugh. 
Exactly. It's good. Like, yeah. it's, like the way he does it, he knows what he's doing. He's always been great on commentary when he was a heel in WWE. And he used to tear into Michael Cole. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm all right with this. This is funny. <laughs> but he, he sort of did it better than kind of anyone, mm. if anything. Um, but I thought that what was nice about the announcer as well, the announcers seem to like each other. They seem yeah. to know each other. They seem to have a chemistry and a camaraderie. Mm. There's none of that in WWE. They all feel like they're from the same robotic school of delivering what Vince wants and delivering cliched rehearsed lines in order to promote the brand. And everyone turns into a cunt when they announce in WWE for too mm. long. See Corey Graves, Byron Saxton, oh my Matt God. Stryker, like Michael Cole, I suppose. All of them. They all turn into dickheads. Nigel wasn't quite there yet. And I, I don't want him Give to be Give it there. time. Oh, I fear that. Um, but even the, the little bits of uh, sort of light-hearted banter between the announcers, like mm. the little bits of like laughing at Tony Schiavone, was like fun. Like mm. you, you, I was laughing along, kind of with it. Mm. Like it was just light-hearted, but it humorous. wasn't insidery. No. It didn't fall into that trap of kind of being insidery and just trying to make themselves laugh the whole time. There, 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 there was elements of that and Jericho especially did that with a there was a couple of references and what we was clearly trying to make the commentators laugh but that's a nice kind of tone to have throughout a show is that it was nice it's relaxed they're kind of comfortable doing it as well and it meant that a show that from a wrestling perspective would have been one of the weaker shows in recent weeks but in some ways that didn't necessarily matter for this on that particular night and on the occasion because the job was to put on an entertaining show mm. to kind of for us all to switch our heads off from the world whilst acknowledging what's going on. And I think they generally delivered it. And I think, you know, that might be the last one of these they get to do. Mm. I, I don't know, you know, at time of recording, it could very easily not be going next week. They're not doing the blood and gut stuff, which no. is Good. right as Good. well. And that needs to be on like the first show back when that really hot crowd, that's how you open it. That's how you kind of do it when people are kind of really in that mood. Yeah, I think that, if there was, sorry, Ben, I was just going to say that was my one complaint on this show. Like I was watching it thinking, why are you still put, I know they kept, they didn't say next week. They kept saying on the next dynamite, but that was yeah. my main complaint. I was watching it going, lads, come on, read the room. You don't need to do this next week. And to be fair to them, maybe, you know, it's a, it's a, such a change in situation. I can't get mad at them to be for being slow in making the decision. But at the end of the day, they've made the right decision. Because as much as that, yeah, as much as I enjoyed this show, I can't even have imagined a, a blood and guts war game style match uh, in, in this type of environment. As much as what they did, they made work. Yeah, and you know they had to give away stuff tonight that they would have loved to have done in front of a big audience, especially that Rochester audience for Brody Lee and what the reaction would have been there oh, and the reaction sad. for Matt Hardy. And you're kind of thinking, well, you don't want to then the week afterwards have to give away what is kind of the big kind of feud that they have. And, you know, being able to kind of make sure that that's going to come back whenever they're able to come back. Um, that's like the perfect way to start. I get. Yeah. So I don't get the feeling that there is going to be any dynamite this week i haven't heard no, there is there is they're recording one this week from the, daly's place again yeah. they are they're doing yeah. one again okay. Mate, see they're, they've announced cody versus jimmy oh Anderson. i was gonna say yeah it surely yeah. excited about that JP. oh i did see that sorry <laughs> I, 
I mean, things are bad. I don't know if they're that bad. Uh, <laughs> what do we do to deserve Jamie yet? Havoc? Like, surely life's hard enough right now that they're, they're making us sit through Jimmy. Like, if Cody pulls one out in an empty arena with Jimmy Havoc, like, I'm putting him down as a first ballot Observer Hall of Famer. Like, fuck oh, yeah. me, do I not want to see this? Have it go 10 seconds. Yeah. Just kill him. Hits a couple of crossroads, pins him. Yeah. Yeah. That was the problem with this show, to be honest. I, I, I did. Maybe another manic, but I did think the matches went a little bit long. I think we could do with a couple of like two minute yeah. squashes. Do more of that. Let Omega and Sammy go long because that's on this week as well. That should be good. Omega and Sammy Guevara for again another one. JP for your Mexican correspondence. That's for the AAA uh, mega title. Uh, <laughs> that's a big one. Excited. I, that's quite an upgrade because Guevara was the um, light heavyweight champion in AAA. Therefore, I remember him winning it. Somebody said that would be the most stuff with TNA. Someone said it'd be the most AAA thing ever for them to do a title change on a no-fans AEW show that like wasn't even scheduled in the first place. I could honestly see that happen. Although, at the same time, I can't so much see Kenny losing to Sammy unless there's a lot of shenanigans. Oh, they're, they're wild bastards, AAA. They ran a show with MLW last week. Mm. which 4,000, did it? Yeah, it did about 4,000 or so. All sorts going on. Well, you've been slacking on your AAA correspondence recently. This is so. the time to very much, you know... Yeah. Step up, JP. Perhaps, you know lay off the crack I had a go on it for a couple of weeks like Phil might have done and just thought mm, nah not like for me what? the chap the football manager lay off that and get back on the triple A do you oh, reckon okay. get back right. on that horse yeah well, to me there's an obvious correlation between your you know your lack of triple A correspondence and it's Jeff Jarrett leaving the promotion and resigning the WWE <laughs> I won't lie, that probably yeah. really is, isn't and, it? You know, if you love a TNA over the years as well, you know, yeah, it all becomes quite obvious, doesn't USWA. it? USWA. Yeah, GWF, <laughs> yeah. I know you were really into as well. I thought yeah. that was going to come to the fore. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan of the um, good housekeeping match against China. I was a good fan of the fact that he got under a grand off Vince for it, which fucked him off for years. That always made me laugh. <laughs> that was always a good and story, China. wasn't it? That was a great story, that one. I was like, classic Jeff. And now look what he's doing. He's one step away from running one of those shows on a weekly basis. <laughs> While still trying to sue because of his tapes of uh, GWF. Glorious. Well. Oh. I reckon you've got them tapes stashed away somewhere. <laughs> Under your bed. I have. With your copies of Razzle. <laughs> Razzle. You know what? I think that's actually the truth. <laughs> the truth. Like, it's the only thing standing between Jeff Jarrett and running WWE is this coronavirus. If it takes out Vince... And obviously Triple H is on the outside right now. What if, say, Heyman gets sick? Jarrett's not that far away from the throne. Right. And, and there's no way he's not catching it, is he? Can I just ask, that subject you just brought up there, Benno, hmm. has that thought occurred to you guys as well? Because <laughs> it's that... very much been in my mind, especially with the amount of people who seem to the backstage of these shows. And mm. Yeah. 70-year-old man? I... I'm not saying... Who lives in his own world and doesn't listen to any sort of news or relevant information. Well, him, Trump and Dana White are very much in there. They're all cut from the same cloth yeah. in, this, in the last while, haven't they? Oh, well yeah. and truly with their fucking stubbornness and idiocy. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, There's a reason wrestling's the one thing that's still running, despite everyone else, including the Euros, getting moved to next year. Like, But, but wrestling carries Olympics on. Olympics now as well. Yeah. Although, to be fair, like UFC's still got... UFC's... Um, I think Dana's finally listened to his mate Trump. Maybe that's why they're at the tape of Mania this week. Maybe Vince is starting to listen as well. But, I think yeah. he's been uh, being forced to. But if, mm. if UFC run Khabib Ferguson in front of no fans, like 
fucking idiots. Like, yep. no one's going to want to buy that pay-per-view in front of no fans. And that's like the biggest fight they've got outside of a McGregor fight at the moment. Mm. Like, that's a fight. I'm not a f- MMA, for me, I've kind of gone off quite a lot in the last couple of years for a variety of reasons. But that's, like, the fight that I've wanted to see for a good few years now. Mm. Do not want to see it in front of no fans. And Dana needs to have a good, hard look at himself at the moment because he's kind of arrogance and insecurity has gone through the roof recently. Mm, yeah, it's all those millions he got from the other sale and stuff, isn't it? He's just, yeah, yeah. he's worse than ever. Um, but I mean, on the, before we get to like the WWE stuff, like on, the, on AW, I did want to say, like I thought the uh, from the TV, thought that Lance Archer segment was brilliant. Like the thing so good. Was it best thing on the show? I think the honestly, that's the type of stuff you want, isn't it? Like I joked about them doing a two-hour show from the Hardy compound. Maybe the sell-by date's gone on doing something like that. But things like this, and it was a good like three or four-minute video package, wasn't it? Like this was just brilliant. It was fucking awesome. The the Mm. way it was shot, the way it was filmed, the way it was edited, Mm. it looked so good. Like, I love those kind of guys around the ring. They reminded me of, like, I don't know if you guys are X-Men fans, but I'm a massive fan of the early 90s X-Men cartoon, the Fox Kids one, oh, based on, like, the um, Chris Claremont run on the uh, X-Men comics. Love it. And they remind me of the uh, mutants, like the ones who live in the sewers and underground in the film. Oh, yeah. Like, someone about them probably reminded me of them. And I was like, oh, this is great. Just Lance Archer destroying mutants. Like, go on. <laughs> and Jake there cheering him on. Just the pace of it, it all just looked great. It was great the way they used Jake in that segment because I actually thought that the interview that he did just before it, before they cut to it, I thought it was almost too much of Jake in, to, to a degree and he sounded like his voice was going as well. So I was fearing from that point. I thought, oh, that's a dry cough, mate. You want to be getting the fuck out of there quick as. Yeah, there were a lot um, of as like... As you old, well know, Benno. There were a lot of older men standing around on this show. That was like one negative. It was like, ah, and should, should JR be on commentary here? Should, should Jake be in the building? Yeah. Do you need Tully there, really? Yeah. Although I will say, in a quiet, that's, that's as much as I've been interested in Sean Spears. Oh, MJF I thought was awesome as well in this. I, that was the most I've ever enjoyed MJF. I thought he was genuinely hilarious with yeah. all the all the gamblers of a ringside. I thought he was <laughs> awesome. That's that very show. much the kind of him on the indies, though, isn't it? That's very much been him in terms of that off-the-cuff stuff, like the stuff he would say when he was walking out in OTT and made a reference to the potato famine and stuff like that to the crowd. Mm. You know, and he's able to do that, that kind of reactive comedy as well. And oh, I thought yeah. with with Sammy singing, who... Oh, that was hilarious. He gets over every time he appears. Yeah. Every time he appears, you're just instantly entertained by him. It's so almost like Jericho no was loving it as well. Oh, yeah, Jericho, he, he broke, didn't he? Like, at one point, like, Jericho was loving it. But, like, Sammy's someone who I had no expectations for whatsoever, really, with AEW. He was like, oh, yeah, there's another guy. Like, he's genuinely been a shy... I think it's probably Jericho's influence, but he's been a shining star on this show. Yeah, he has. He's clearly, as well... I mean... He, it's like he's surrounded by good people, mm. all of whom are interested, who've got an, an investment in him becoming good. And then something they've got an investment in Jungle Boy becoming good or an investment in Darby Allen becoming good. They're not interested in terms of holding them down. It's like, no, we want to build them up so we can get to work with them. And you have these kind of bigger stars and these bigger promos. They, they get it. That's what the industry had always historically been built on. Mm. You know, it's not, you know, that's, that's kind of, what really sort of wrestling 101 is mm-hmm. um you know you build it building everybody up in order for them to work with them and the, and you they all manage to do well out of it 
you know, wrestling 101 shouldn't be, although a lot of people think it's just like, yeah, some lunatic decides what happens and then you just got to completely agree with him every step of the way, mm-hmm. even if he's producing some sort of alien-influenced television programme on a week, you know, three times a week. Because I tried having a look at some of that NXT. Like, I don't know how long that Johnny Gargano... Tommaso Ciampa stuff was, but I was bored. Oh, I turned it off, mate. That was like that I, was a ten minute segment yeah. dragged down to two hours. I don't understand why they did it, but like there was no danger of like people turning over from AEW on this night. Whereas that three four minute bit for Lance Archer mm. just completely sold me on it, and it, they, it's like they've they're not doing anything necessarily with the character. They're just expanding on what he did in New Japan, adding Jake Roberts into the mix, you know. I will say this for all those extras as well. Really good selling. Oh, I yeah. Thought. Good bumping. Good mm. bumping. That one on the car as well. A brutal. Yeah. Lance Archer really did sign this contract at the best time as well. I know he was freelancer before he didn't have a contract mm. with New Japan. Mm. Imagine if he had no income coming in at this point. Like mm. He signed that contract at the ideal time. And he's getting, the, he's getting treated like this. Mm. He's getting to hang out with Jake Roberts. I'm sure he's just loving life at the moment. Mm. Well, not loving life during a pandemic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things work. Things turned up relief. for him. <laughs> yeah, relief. Yeah. It's like the, uh, I saw in the Observer this week, Meltzer was saying about like how the revival are obviously, you know, almost certainly heading here. But he was like, yep. you know, with the pandemic, things are kind of changing. You, you never know what the situation might be for AW money-wise in a couple of months. You can hate for, you know, their big, uh, their big jump to be scuppered. Apparently, like, as much as we joke about being Vince evil, apparently they've, uh, because they're both being kept to the contract, I think because of injuries, like one of them runs out in April, the other one runs out in July. But yeah. because they've done so many dates in the meantime and been paid so much money, they're not getting paid anymore. They're literally not paying them for the remainder of the contract. Wow. I think they've hit like some kind of maximum number already. So they're just sitting there. Can't work anywhere else. There's no certainty about being able to jump anywhere. Like apparently WWE have made loads of offers to them, but if I was them, I can understand. Like similar to a Brody Lee, who we like we'll talk about on this show. Like I think they're the types of guys who I think them being treated like that, I think your mind is pretty much made up. So hopefully there is an AW for them to jump to in a couple of months. That is beyond shocking. It's them. Mm. Like that is like this company reached new lows on like a weekly basis, don't yeah. they? Mm. They are the lowest of a low, the scummiest of the scummy, and there's a global pandemic, and there's a 74 year old man who's going to be running a WrestleMania show in a couple, couple of days' time. You know, um, I'm hinting at something here, which I've already hinted about during the show, you know. Yeah, let's let's see what happens. <laughs> it, it's like Braun, though, isn't it? Like Braun this week was kicking off on oh. on Instagram about um, it was like uh, it was Evil Uno. Who'd like, yeah, that was it. He'd done a post about supporting your fa- not support him, but support your favorite indie wrestlers by their merch. I literally bought a GCW shirt this week, guys. I've done I've done my part, uh, but it was like just an, an innocent, innocuous post. And, like, somebody screen-grabbed it and put it on Instagram, and Braun replied, like, oh, if, well, these people asking for handouts, if they can't make enough money doing the job, they need to change to another job. And it was like, my God, is that, like... He, he always comes across anyway as, like, a bit of a Republican, libertarian-style guy. But, like, to mm-hmm. be that tone-deaf, like, in this... In the world that we're living in right now, oh yeah, yeah, they should just still go find other jobs, you know. While there's loads of jobs at the moment, but then at the same time, like he was trying to defend himself, and apparently somebody said to him, "Well, you're all right. You're getting paid by WWE," and he literally went, "Well, during the pandemic, because I'm not appearing on Raw or SmackDown, I'm not getting paid either." 
And like, I think David Starr jumped in at that point, and David Starr was like, like, no matter what you think about Braun and how shitty his comments were, even if he's being paid a million a year downside, the fact that, like, they're, WWE are not paying him now, of all times, just because he's not appearing on the TV, that says as much about WWE and their shitty practices as it does Braun and his shitty opinions. I can't believe that that would be the case. He'd have a downside yeah, guarantee. Yeah, if he's getting his downside, he's getting paid. Which He's saying he I, doesn't. He's saying he's not getting he's paid not. in his life. So sure. it would be a case either that they are they're genuinely fucking evil by going, yeah, we're not going to pay you, but you still work for us. Mm. Or he's a complete arsehole, like you say, and he's and he's kind of carried on with that. Because the that attitude, I'm hoping that, is something that fucking disappears during this. So many of these there are- is a reason why we need everyone to be healthy, and the reason why you need people to necess- you know, to be able to have access and everybody's self-interest within mm. it. If- and that selfish prick, who, let's face it, is there because he was born big. You know, it's not a- anything. All either- right, he lifted some weights. I'll give him that part of it. And you know, he's he fucking making out like he toiled his way through bloody deep south and fucking OVW. I think he was in NXT briefly, wasn't he? But that was it. Yeah, he, he was like one of Adam Rose's rosebuds at one point. I remember seeing him around. Yeah, but if you've got a contract, like you're paid what's your guarantee on, yeah? Mm. Like, yeah. So if that's the case, someone, if, do you know any NXT UK guys, Benno? I think we've got some connections to a couple. I'd be interested if so any of the listeners on this show know any of those NXT UK guys? Andy Ogden, I know you're listening. <laughs> well, <laughs> Find I'm, out I'm, if they're getting paid during this by WWE. That'd be really interesting what the terms of their deal are on this, if they're not working as well. Yeah. I wonder, because to be honest, there are NXT UK guys who are joining the horde of people going, you know, I can't work right now, buy my merch. Uh, I think, from what I know, I'm pretty sure they're getting paid whatever they're know their mark deal whether it was 10k 15k or whatever and i think a lot of them were supplementing it with extra stuff outside of wwe but i don't know if i have to say it and i'll have to ask maybe someone can fill us in but it is all a bit weird yeah i think somebody mm-hmm. so i was looking at the david star thing and i think some people have been speculating maybe bronze already earned as guaranteed in which case we shouldn't be crying for him but I'm, I'm, he's got a fucking mill yeah yeah but at the same time like david star was saying well you know it's like any sport isn't it like sportsmen get paid ridiculous amounts of money whereas in wrestling you know a million sounds a lot but considering like the amount of money WWE make you feel like yeah. you should probably still be oh, paying yeah. people in this like downturn even if you like you've got no sympathy for as shitty as Braun's been they pay something like of their overall revenue if you work out the kind of salaries compared to sports say football for example where 60% of revenue goes on wages I think it's similar figures with sort of you know basketball, basketball and, and NFL but it's been a case where UFC, but especially WWE, it's like close to 15%. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the way that they get their money is still done on that weird arbitrary basis, isn't it? I mean, it's what do they get? What cut do they get off the network or anything like that? Does anyone get a cut from that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like all those kind of, it was always a very weird arcane practice they had throughout all of this, but that, can't be right in any way shape or form and they've always historically been underpaid yeah yeah compared to anything else they are 
Um, oh, yeah. It's a ridiculous situation. But... And, and given the long-term effects as well of yeah. what's happened to them and the physical effects of it, it's it's nowhere near enough, really. Yeah. And they pay for their own travel. You know, they have to sort things out like that. There's a lot of expenses involved. Yeah, it's like... And like yeah. you say, yeah, they have short careers. Like, they're, they're not going to be able to do this for the rest of their life. Um, if you had a boss who says, I want you to travel around, by the way, you don't get to claim your expenses. Yeah. You'd be thinking, what the fuck is this? This is... <laughs> yeah. But it's like, no, that's it. It's accepted, part of it. Why? It was great when I was seven and I was watching it on, on Sky One. Oh, I want my WrestleMania <laughs> moment, JP, in front yeah, of no exactly. fans. Exactly. Oh, that Jeff Hardy match was great. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to say as well, on, on the subject of, uh, well, sort of going back to AEW a little bit, mm. um, but with the revival and what you were saying there about AEW's budget and all the rest of it, I wouldn't say it's the worst thing if the revival end up out of contract and end up doing like six months to a year on the indies mm. because they're going to get dates. People are going to want to see them. There'll be a hot tag team out in the indies. Imagine them coming over to say a Rev Pro for a couple of York All shows, doing a storyline with someone. Like I'd be well into that if they were doing that. Um, I think they'd get good indie bookings for a period. They'd make decent money as independent wrestlers and then maybe come into AEW after a year or so. You think in AEW at the moment, they've got tag feuds a lot of their sort of long-term. So if you want to do Bucks uh, Revival, you know it could be worth mm-hmm. bringing the Revival in towards the end of the year or early next year possibly. Give them a sort of guarantee. We are bringing you in. But yeah, a few indie dates here and there. I think they'd be good for a period. A short run in New Japan, if you can get around oh, to I, that. I, I, then a New Japan tag division. Like If they're going to do that, True. I want New Japan to be reinvested in tag team wrestling. But I would wonder for them that they would, I could see them wanting to do a run in Japan for themselves, yeah. wanting to be able to kind of go there as, as, as an established yeah. tag team. But like you say, that division really is, it's only if they're going in there to work against a Tanahashi and Ibushi yeah, in a super yeah. match. Not if they're there to work with Gorillas of Destiny. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure they could get a match out of the G.O.D. as well. Like, I think the Revival yeah. on that day are a great tag team. G.O.D. when motivated, well, yeah. Tamatonga. Yeah. yeah, but I think we forget about just how good the Revival are. They had yeah. some of the best WWE tag matches of all time. Like, that goes without saying, doesn't it? Absolutely, but it's easy to forget because that was like two, three years ago and they've basically not been able to do anything because... Mm they've been on a main roster that is dictated by a psychopath and he's got 22 writers that he's got to, you know, use in some way. So therefore basic wrestling and booking and character work doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, and you know, it, probably the thing that matters most of him in a day is where his next beef burrito. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you hear anyway. what, what Brian said in his interview this week on the Bellas podcast? He was saying that like, uh, obviously Bree's due to give birth this year and he's going to be taking, they've given him like some, he's going to take some leave. He's going to take some paternity leave. And then after that, his contract apparently expires. Most people expected it to be next year, but apparently it's sometime this year. And he did say he'd like to, he'd like, his ideal is he wants to be a full-time dad and a part-time wrestler. And he would like to work once a month or there or thereabout. Like if he does that inside WWE and doesn't do what we were all hoping he did two years ago, there's no help left. Hope left for Daniel Bryan. At this point, you'd think he's learned his lesson. Like imagine him doing that revival run, doing like a month in New Japan, doing a month in AEW, doing a month, you know, wherever he wants to go, goes to Mexico. CMLL, CMLL. hair versus mask match. He always wanted oh, to mate, do. Imagine if his contract's up around the time of Wrestle Kingdom. Wow. If it's at late this year 
Imagine if he can get a Wrestle Kingdom match in. Imagine, like, I don't know, him and Okada, him and Osprey next year mm. at Wrestle Kingdom. Brian him Tanahashi again. Mm, no, it wouldn't be the one I'd go him for. Him and Osprey, first. yeah. You've got to go marquee. you got to go proper marquee. Oh, yeah, yeah, for that. For Yeah, there's matches you do before him and Zach. It's a match I'd like to see. I think you go, do you go, but you go him and Okada. Yeah, I think you do. Or yeah. you go him and Tanahashi. It's yeah. one of those two. I think you do. Even do Tana now while Tana's. You know, don't don't leave it yeah. too long before doing the Tana Wrestle Kingdom match. Do it now before he, he really falls apart. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you get that in. Um, let's just let's just hope because we've been here before. And you know, mm. I honestly think, and I'm a conspiracy theorist on this one, and I honestly do believe that there was some sort of conspiracy around. You know, actually keeping it out for a long time. And people I think I'm mad for saying that. But my trust in the way that organization works and the way that everything was geared around getting Roman over and making sure no one gets in his way, I wouldn't put it past Vince at this stage, especially considering what Brian represented and what Vince was reluctantly forced into. I've always thought this would be fishy around that. Think about his relationship with that one doctor who's been their doctor for years and every other doctor yeah. who cleared him. Like, yeah, there's something... That was the one doctor because he appeared in the... Concussion. He the NFL concussion, you know, with all the NFL yeah. lawsuits. Yeah. There's, there's something really, in my mind, fishy that's going on there. Mm, or yeah. went on. It's, I mean, in some simple ways, I mean, this is all very hypothetical again. And, you know, you get burned with this stuff the more and more over time. So I'm very much... I'll believe it when I see it, much like if somebody tells me, or my son tells me such and such players join Arsenal. It's like when I see him holding the scarf at the ground or some sort of a, it appears on the official website, then I'll believe it. Up until that point, it's still tra- it's still transfer yeah, bullshit. You, you probably thought that when Ozil joined. Look at what's happened there. Well, I just didn't expect that. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Remember him? But, the, <laughs> um, but, but why would he want to stay, I suppose? I mean, that's the obvious thing for it. I mean, how much would they offer him? Would they offer him that kind of edge money for that? They'd have to, you know, if he's working perhaps, what, twice as much as edge, would they have to? Does he need the money? Does he need it? Is that actually going to be what's making him happy? Mm. And you think of how long he's got wrestling. You might think to himself, I've got one, two years left of it. What am I going to be able to make do of it? You wonder if that's the thought process. Well, let's see what... But these are difficult... It's difficult to kind of put yourself into his head. Let's see what the coronavirus does to Vince, first of all. (laughs) Because that could sway him. I like the way we've edged towards you just outright saying it, Joe. No, I've I've not outright said anything right there. Um, You've hypothesised on a situation that given his age and his fact for not believing facts and yeah. things that are happening and understanding any semblance of the actual world that we all live in. Yeah. So in his mind, coronavirus is just, just a giant heel. He's got into fight Hogan really, <laughs> isn't he? At some point, basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah they yeah. shoved John Tenter in a costume. I'm sure that's what he imagines coronavirus to be. Absolutely. Oh. So yeah, it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he gets to him and he doesn't perhaps take it as seriously. But oh. you got a world of wrestling, and alternatives to WWE have never been hotter to hardcore, and a whole world that respect Daniel Bryan and you know love him to bits. And then you've got a world where no one who kind of exists in that upper echelon of the company really kind of gets him. Mm. Where do you, what do you do? Like for me, this is a no-brainer. But you know, mm. I'm not I'm not Daniel Bryan. I don't have a family. 
I don't know. Well, I will have a wife one day, hopefully, but my wedding might get cancelled due to the coronavirus, so there's that as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, oh. But, yeah, I'm not in his position, so I don't necessarily understand it. But, yeah, let's hope he, let's hope he does the right thing here. Yeah, let's see. Let's hope he does the thing and follows follows Brody Lee and Matt Hardy over, uh, like they did in uh, at AEW this week. Did you have any thoughts on, on that? Lee? What's that? What'd you make of the Brody Lee bit? <sighs> to be honest, I laughed at, like, virtual pros for saying that, like, he literally came out... And he came out in like the baggiest shindy indie gear, and it like he was saying it reminds him of like a fellow who's just got out of prison, and he's just wearing the clothes he wore when he first went into prison. And, like, like the best example I could think of is like remember when uh, Tony's cousin turns up in Sopranos, the other Tony, and he go he comes out and he's Tony wearing, Blundetto, Tony Blundetto, Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi, and he's wearing like his seventies suit. Like that's what he looked like. He looked like a mid two thousand indie worker. Uh, but other than that, like I thought he was, I thought I thought it was a pretty good debut, a bit of a. I don't know if I'd have gone with him as like the leader of a faction, but at the end of the day, it's only the Dark Order, so I, I'm willing to see how it plays out. That was that was my first thought: is it's only the Dark Order, and he gives them some sort of purpose, and you still have him as your kind of another monster heel. I mean, they've gone a right hoss hiring spree, haven't they? Over the last yeah. little almost bit, almost overcorrected, haven't they? From all like the the short indie guys they've had so far. Tones, he just he wants a bit of beef. That's the easiest <laughs> way to say it. It's what he wants. Oh, yeah. Well, every if he time. went in my Sainsbury's tonight, he'd fine. I wanted some chicken. All there was was bloody beef and sausages. No chicken, no lamb. Yeah. yeah so he would have been sorted tonight for steak. Now, Vince would have been as well if his steak wraps. Yeah, I, I agree, though. Like, it's only the Dark Order and it's only Luke Harper or Brody Lee. Like, he's not going to be any sort of main event. He's a decent worker. Yeah. Um, it, he's fine there. I wouldn't. I'm and, so glad this isn't Marty. I think it would have been a real mistake to give this to Marty. Yeah, I, I think for this as well, the fact that it leads into a feud with Daniels and it's not like kind of elevating him in at a place. It's it's trying to establish him for the time yeah, being. I'm yeah. fine. Did I'm fine for that. And I've got faith in them. I've got yeah. faith in them at a booking committee that you know when they when they've put bad shit on. They've kind of ended it very quickly. So yeah. that I, the Dark Order attacking the elite and getting over on them at the end of that episode before the turn oh. of the year. Simpler times. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. Yeah. He's basically a replacement for Evil Uno, isn't he? He's like the leader. He is. Evil Uno can disappear now and just be in a tag team. I might be better off for it. And for his part, his promo wasn't too bad. I could see him being a decent... I've heard he's a decent talker. Not that we saw much of it in WWE. He's mm. a solid enough worker, isn't he, Luke yeah, Harper? absolutely. He'll make this yeah. cult thing work, I think. Um, I think it'll be all right. Mate, what, I, I love the promo. And now you're not the first out-of-touch old man who hasn't believed in me. He's <laughs> won me over already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a fun line. Um, but yeah, we that... do a podcast where I basically rant about an out-of-touch old man every week. <laughs> and when I heard that come out of his mouth, I was like, yep, you're all right, you are, mate. You're all right. <laughs> Would you, would you have gone with Matt Hardy? Because that was the other shout. Obviously, him debuting it. I thought it was odd that, like, they were. I, I know they wanted the big surprise. I felt. I feel like Dustin's right there for the War Games match. Like, if it was me, Agreed, I'd be yeah. throwing him in that. Like, I, and I'd do something else with Matt Hardy. Uh, make him the. I don't know. Just have him turn up and be like threatening to interfere or something, or be like on the outside yeah, of the that. story. Uh, I'm not sure about putting him in the match, but. Again, this is another one that wasn't at like Brody Lee, where I think it was in front of a crowd. I think they would have lost their shit, considering he was on Raw what three weeks ago, uh, maybe four weeks ago at this point. But yeah, bit of a bit of an odd one. I feel, I feel like maybe Dustin might still work his way into the match. He was still there or thereabouts. Kenny's still 
you know, they're still telling that story about Pacquiao having an injury. Maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe a, maybe it's wishful thinking, and I just want to see Dustin in a cage, blading one more time. He is perfectly designed to go in early into a war games mm. match, Dustin Rhodes. We we're going to talk about this later on in the week, but like, take we 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 had a little sneak preview when watching uh, uh, one of the shows that we saw from WCW where he, he plays. And you're like, oh my god, he's it's like a an art form. His father would be proud. He's still got the best punches in wrestling as yeah. well. Then punches in a war games with that brawling style would be absolutely perfect for yeah. it. And, you know, he's perfect for him to, you know, for a lot of people to get their heat on him as well and be able to take those kind of blows for it. I I agree with you both. I was thinking the whole way through, oh, we need another man. I was like, why don't you ask Dustin? He is the obvious natural choice to kind of, pardon the pun. Natural. Yeah, to put in there. Um, So he kind of made sense with that video that they put out with the Bucks turning up at the Hardy compound and the rest of it. In some ways, I wonder whether or not, you know, debuting him at that match might have been the way perhaps to go because it kind of would have led yeah. perhaps Jericho into a short-term feud Having in the meantime. Having the end or something, I wonder. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The way that they did it in terms of the, the was it Vanguard, isn't it? The drone Vanguard that came one. down. And yeah, and the, um, and the piano. That was all excellently done. Yeah, and it gave and the show a big moment as well. I think that, that's got to be said as it well. Did. It was a nice way to go off the air. It did. I'm just one of these people where it's like they've introduced three completely new characters very, very recently. And I still want to see time for these things to breathe. Yeah, I get that. I'm just that bit wary about that as well, because these were some of the kind of they hadn't quite fallen into these traps earlier on in the year. But there was a point where they were kind of overcomplicating things. And it's like, no, when you got this down to a quite simple, straightforward formula, that's when they were producing their best TV. So. They, they would be the only concerns that I would have, but I think they've, you know, they've they've done enough for me to kind of warrant being interested in Matt Hardy. And I know there's some talk with him saying he wants to do New Japan as well. Oh shit! That's not uh, sorry. I've just, I've just accidentally deleted my notes. For the show. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought there was some terrible coronavirus no, base news being broken there. People are oh, no, listening going, what, you guys have notes? They're saved, they're saved. Don't Cri- worry, crisis sorry. averted. Stroke a lot. Sorry. You won't get it. away with this unprofessionalism when you record with Andy Cujo. Yes. Yeah. Well, we haven't done, mentioned that at all. Done that we? before, mate. Been there, done that. <laughs> that was a that was a big thing. If anyone didn't uh, listen to the, watch the uh, the Rev Pro Q and A this week, shout out for Rev Joe there from our mate Andy. And you, you two would be peas in a pod, Joe. You and him, EastEnders. We'll ask the question in his Q and A. Does he fancy doing it? Uh, and EastEnders watch along podcast with you, Joe. Oh, mate, that would that would make all my dreams come true. I'm really hopeful. Uh, sure, um, I'll have to get in contact. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I suppose I'd be up for it. I can I can talk East old school East End as any day of anyone. So yeah, if he's up for it, I'm I'm more than game. So I'll have to get in contact this week. I won't. There's a specific part of it of wrestlers to East Enders characters that I'm hoping forms quite a fair whack of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I think he'd have some very interesting perspectives on it, particularly if he goes sort of like some of the what british wrestlers would kind of fit into the mix people who've come through his uh his school at various points yeah i think i think we'd have a good chat about that i think that yeah lots of perspectives and angles we can look at as well i think yeah we haven't done the soap opera stuff on here so much in recent times but 
Uh, yeah, maybe watch this space and we'll see what we can work out. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, what what better things, you know, for Rev Pro to do while they're on, you know, this kind of enforced hiatus than the promoter talking EastEnders with, with myself, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got to be honest, Joe, when he said the words Rev Pro, I was, I was very excited. It, it, I Rev think that, Pro, that's, what, it's company? Sorry, Rev Joe, <laughs> sorry. He, uh, he sing, it single-handedly got me out of the coronavirus uh, rut that I was in. Yeah, I had a terrible day, uh, and then I watched that video while taking a shit, actually, catching up, <laughs> catching up on things, and uh, pissed myself laughing, so, yeah, it did cheer me up as well. There you go. So people have got something to look forward to, as well as Jimmy Havoc on AEW on Wednesday, you know, there's, uh, there's things for people to do and watch and listen to. Uh, I'll be honest, AEW I am looking forward to, because it did take my mind off things last week. I'm not necessarily sure they should still be running shows, but mm. i got to say, I'm loving the uh, Matt Jackson, Hangman Page rivalry. I thought they did oh. a great job of advancing it this week, and that six-man especially. Loved the last moments of that, where they got on board of each other. They went and hit the melter driver, and it, they get fucked over, and Nick Jackson, uh, sorry, Matt Jackson gets rolled up. Great little, little bit of storytelling there to advance this feud. I really want to see him wrestle one-on-one as a main event on Dynamite one week as well. Mm. Once they're back in front of fans, I think that's a really good main event to make. I don't know if you do it after the war games, potentially, but yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's a hot main event. And I can't say I've ever looked forward to seeing Matt Jackson a singles match ever. But yeah, I want to see this. There's something there. Definitely. Uh, any other thoughts on AEW, or do you want to go into? Do you want to talk a bit more about WWE? You mentioned uh, in there a couple of times you've uh, you've seen some WWE TV this week, Joe. Uh, well, you... not really. I've seen one <laughs> clip that. JP forced me to watch. It was a Saturday night. I was held against my will and forced to watch a man who seems like uh, he is completely tone deaf, doesn't live in the real world, and thinks he's on some like I don't know eighteen to thirty club reps based holiday where there's a reality TV show on ITV2 that's being made <laughs> regarding his experience on that holiday. Because the way he entered that arena. What the fuck was he doing? He looked like an absolute fucking tool. And uh, the fact that they think this is going to be like baby facing him, my God, are they out of touch or what? Like, well, it'll be no facing him, won't he? There's not going to be any reaction at all. Like, it was like some sort of Jersey Shore reject had yeah. turned up or something. And, you know, I don't really like reality TV, but I watched a bit of the Jersey Shore back in the day, and it was a little bit of a laugh, I suppose, for a brief period. I can't say I liked any of the fellas on there. They all came across as right dicks. And uh, wrestling fans, like, let's think about what modern wrestling fans are ultimately. Do you think wrestling fans are going to cheer for this bloke? Like, I just don't know what they think they're doing with this. Mm. He's going to get booed. You put him in front of fans doing that act, and he's going to get booed. Like, I'm not going to lie. I love saying... Wrong, Vince's <laughs> voice. I find it hilarious. Someone's but con Vince same... into like Vince thinks this is a massive celebrity worldwide. Like, the, like I said, I was saying this like on BW. I was trying to find exa- think of examples of like actual crossover NFL stars, and I couldn't think of any uh, other than OJ Simpson, which I didn't say out loud on that podcast, but I will say on this podcast. I can't like is Gronk a name like to to like the general public like in this country it... or worldwide? Like, what's a Gronk? He was in the front row of that WrestleMania when he got involved in that Battle Royal. Mm. I'd never heard of him. No. I was like, who is this bloke? And then I was with a mate of mine, and we were just pissing ourselves. Like, oh, he's getting involved in this in a minute. And we just found the whole thing with that security guard. wouldn't let him over the barrier. Oh, yeah. Time. He was like, a security guard, didn't know who he was. Yeah, that match was a joke. 
but it was hilarious at the same time. But yeah, Gronk wrestling, Mojo Rawley getting a push, oh. like exciting times ahead in WWE. Eh? Like, oh. They got LeBron James in. I kind of get it. That's like, I mean, in this case, he is. I mean, and I don't really follow the NFL. I'm kind of aware of him. My sister's massively into it. She lives there. She's a Gronk fan. No, she knows who he is. Right. Like, she does know who he is because she follows it because he played with, effectively, you'd think of him as someone who played at, say, Man U for a really long time, but isn't David Beckham because, say, Tom Brady would be David Beckham it's like in that way. It's like Ryan Giggs in. It Get is. Gary Neville. Well, you might say Gary Neville. Oh, imagine That's Roy Keane wrestling. <laughs> Roy Keane is hosting WrestleMania. Oh, fuck me. I would... I'd be... I'd, Honestly, God, be thinking of paying for that. I think Roy would hate Vince. Oh, to see how angry he'd be, be sitting in the front row. Yeah, he'd see Triple H's ego straight away, and he'd just rip it down. He'd <laughs> yeah. be happy. He'd, imagine, imagine what he did to Alvinger yeah. Harland on Triple H. What like. kind of, what kind of booking do you call that? I mean, that's just rubbish, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's an awful impression. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it personally. Um, but yeah, it would. Yeah, so he is that kind of equivalent figure, but it doesn't yeah. really. I mean, obviously NFL is popular. I mean, it sells out Wembley and and White Hart Lane when it when it's there. But um, it doesn't mean anything in that sort of real cultural sense. But neither does WWE, like... does it? Like WWE doesn't mean anything. It's like a match made no. in heaven, to be honest. It's like do we, like do, do your general people know who any of the current WWE wrestlers are? Do people know who Roman Reigns is? It's probably no. to be honest, probably like pretty good bedfellows considering that. Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much. But then, I mean, as WWE's gone on and it's become more profitable, it's become more niche at the same time, isn't it? Mm. Because they've been sort of just really rinsing that hardcore base that they have. The thing I don't understand with this though is like I can't, I could not name one NFL player. Mm. I can't name one like current NFL player. I could name you OJ, Lawrence Taylor, Michael Vick. Michael Vick. <laughs> People uh, who turn up on 30 for 30 Pat, documentaries. Yeah. Patman Jones, Mongo, <laughs> William the Refrigerator Perry. Kevin Green. <laughs> Kevin Green. Kevin Green. Oh, yeah. I liked Kevin Green's WCW run. That was well good. But I could name, like, uh, you know, I've had periods where I've been into NBA. But yeah. I could tell you quite a few current NBA players. I don't watch it. I don't, mm. like, why is this? I couldn't tell you any baseball players. Alex Rodriguez, does he still play baseball? I don't know. Derek, yeah, I don't know he was a player, wasn't he? So, yeah, it, 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 but it all comes down to that, doesn't it? It comes down to, you know, it, it's a cultural thing for us where it doesn't enter into it because it's not something that, that we're necessarily into. I don't know. I'm looking on here on, on Wikipedia, so it must be true. He's work, he works as a football analyst for Fox Sports. Well, it's crossover, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's, you look at that and you think, oh, this makes sense. You're going to have that crossover with that. However... Whatever meaning it has. He's only 30. Is it, he retired? Yeah, he's retired. At 30? It's a serious collision sport. Yeah, I know so that. that yeah. I didn't think you retired that. But he, you know, he effectively had done as much as he had done for the New England Patriots. And I imagine he just sort of got the fuck out of Dodge, took the money and run. Like Cantona. Yeah, but he's a proper legend. Yeah, that's true. And he is a cultural legend. As Rob Gronkowski appeared in anything as good as um, Looking for Eric. Oh. Imagine if Eric Cantona did Rob Gronkowski's entrance. He'd be fucking ashamed. <laughs> there is a man with integrity, style, self-awareness, and a sense of cool, like proper cool. Like, proper... He's, the, he's the coolest football player ever. Oh, I'd agree with that. There's, and there's an obvious yeah, wrestling tie-in as well. You can oh, use the... fuck off. 
<laughs> with Cantona, you can use the Kung Fu kick as like a, like a finishing move. There's money in that. They like were we saying last like week the about... Bomber, yeah, the Bomber, it's like the, yeah, the Bomber, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, There you go. It's a bit like we were saying last week about Daniel Bryan hoping he'd take out Trump in the front row. Cantona could do that job. Yeah, celebrates the crowd as well. Remember he kind of that pole when he scored that comeback penalty against Liverpool as well? Like, <laughs> great stuff. He's got his gimmicks down with the collar up and the, the classic Nike Tiempo boots as well. Yeah. Oh, what, what, what a cool man Eric Cantona was <laughs> and still is. Yeah, definitely a bigger international star than Gronk. What the fuck he, is a Gronk? He was also great Gronk in Gronk in a Ken Loach film. Like, goes the other <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we're going to get take this... a lot more than that for me to get. Actually, do you know what? If he appeared in a Ken Loach film, I'll be like, "All right, I'll watch this." What would be the American equivalent? Looking for Gronk, who would be the director? I, the, I would say that I don't know Greta Gerwig, <laughs> like an indie, yeah. like a like, like a mumblecore indie. Noah Baumbach. Oh, what's the fellow who directed Moonlight called? My mind's gone blank. Oh, um... oh fuck! I can't think of his name. It'll, I'd hear it's, it. It's that type straight. of indie thing, like a Sean Baker film or something like that. That's, that's yeah, what we've yeah. been hoping for. <laughs> oh. I'm more up for seeing him out than the, than this tall dancing again in front of no fans. Like um, he to looked, push over Baron Corbin on an edited two-hour two-day show. Oh, he reminded me of one of those twats you see. In, you know, when like you would go to a nightclub when you were yeah. younger. And, like, you're sort of not really feeling it. And you get there, and the club's sort of dead, and there's not a lot going on. You're like, tonight's a write-off, and people are trying to force it. And then you see some absolute tool on the dance floor, like pumping the WKDs, <laughs> trying to just force this night. Fake tan. came out, and I just had these bad flashback memories to being in awful nightclubs. I'm thinking, like, nightclubs in provincial towns, primarily. Like, nightclubs <laughs> in just culturally redundant locations. Winchester. Yeah, that sort of place. Abingdon. I had a night out there once. Fuck me. Awful. Stuck in the 90s, the place. It was in 2010. Blackpool. When, uh, some, I went my mate who's gay, and this girl there, who I was having a chat to, um, was amazed that I was straight because I was there uh, a gay man and I was wearing a stripy t-shirt. It's like, <laughs> fuck me, what year do you live in? <laughs> Jeez, Did you have your army jacket on? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was still getting a bit of usage at that point in time. This was 2011. <laughs> I got a good good run out of that army jacket. It really did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a good run at the top, that jacket, didn't it? Yeah, uh, Put absolutely. over big. Absolutely. Went out on top as well. I don't know about on top because the zip broke. Was, like, ah, Is that like Austin's this. kind of knee and neck? It's the Austin of jackets that you've had. Is this like a Mania main event to you, uh, JP? Joe, Joe's Army Mando jacket versus my Ring of Honor red uh, classic Japan jacket. Ooh. Like That's a big main event, though. I that is a big main event. I've got to go with the Ring of Honor top. You know what? Really, haven't that, you? I think that Army jacket still exists. I think it's at my parents' house. You can't go there. I might like dust it down uh, post coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please do. I think so. That big party. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Ben, I could do like our own version of Ring of Honor One Night Stand and put our <laughs> clobber up from that night or something. <laughs> we'll bring it back. Bring back the baggy jeans. It's all coming. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm mania though. Like with the, the <laughs> with the grog thing. Like I, I think it's a good thing he's not going to be in front of a crowd. Well, fuck me. Like, the news obviously broke while we were recording last week, so we had to, like, react in the moment. But it just, it gets oh. worse, doesn't it? Gronk's presenting it. It's going to be two nights. 
there's not going to be a crowd, as we knew already, and they're not going to, like, JP, they're not going to steal any ideas, are they, from, like, AW or GCW or any of the companies who've done it well. No. That's not happening. And the worst thing of all, it's going to be pre-taped. And we joked about it being an indie film, but that would that's one of the few things that would make me interested. If they did, like, in pre-taping it, they edited it Lucha Underground style, and you got, like, a unique feel in WrestleMania. But we're not even going to get that. We're going to get a no. canned, fucking empty arena Gronk presented shit show of a WrestleMania. Like I- I've heard the counter argument for it. You know that they they'd already you know they're doing Raw and SmackDown. The feuds are already at peak, so they need to do this Mania. They just don't call it. If you need to do a pay per view, call it something else. Call Nick Nick it from TNA. Call it Lockdown. Do like a mini pay per view. Save a couple <laughs> of you know Undertaker can can zombie back into the ground and disappear. Edge can get his neck broken by Randy Orton and disappear for a few more months. You can hold. Hold some things off and do a show if you have to do a show. Like, there is no... At this point, is there any case for this shell of a WrestleMania we're getting in a couple of weeks? I don't see it. No, other than one man's ridiculous refusal to accept reality and thinking somehow if he doesn't run the show that he's some sort of beta male cuck as a result of it. So he's going to run this show through hell or high water and he's going to do it regardless of how bad it looks. And I don't know, I'd, if you're an investor at this point, and obviously there, there's a couple of lawsuits now, and the, the bigger thing around this, and it's been the theme of what we've been, feel like we've said from show one, that of, of how out of touch Vince McMahon is, um, that you would look at this and you look at what is your biggest show of the year with your biggest gate of the year, the most eyes on it, the most times you got it into popular culture, and you're going to produce something that's just going to look awful. And you're either not even going to have to pretend it doesn't exist, which is what I suspect that they do, or um, they're going to have to, not like without ever saying the reasons why that they're in the performance center, have this mania with no atmosphere mm. that feels like it's with characters, quote, you know, quoting scripted lines that no other human being would say, especially not in the current climate. So it's so tone deaf, but it's again, it's just done because in his mind, you know, I, he can't be seen to giving into um, coronavirus yeah. and nobody. And it says a lot about that company that nobody is able to talk any degree of common sense into them. And you said it last week and I was thinking about it when you said it, then, you know, you combine this with the um, other decisions they've made into, the executives. Yeah, the executives, the kind of I'm trying to think of the other stuff. Mania on uh, pay-per-view. That's it. Yeah. And that hasn't worked as well. Although they're doing this stuff with ESPN. You know, this is what it is. This is end days, Vince. Yeah. And it requires really the courage of someone to go, we need to take this person away from this product and actually use this time they're off to kind of have a real look at themselves and what they mean in the 21st century. Mm. Because if you're producing bad TV that no one is interested in and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it to prove a point that you can do it at this moment in time, Mm. then you're not doing it for the best of reasons. Do you think, Uh, how many of the wrestlers do you think are, uh, what I've said this evening, you know, thinking, yeah, a lot. <laughs> and Uncle a lot Paul of executives and a lot of people who work at NXT. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's just. And yeah. as long as you know, with Vince when he contracts it, 
gives Kevin Dunn a big French kiss as well at the same time. <laughs> I was at the feeling that if Vince was to pass away, he'd become, oh, oh. you know, like those big like portraits of General Mao that you'd see in like China after his death and stuff. Yeah. I always imagine like that's what WWE like sets would become. So like Raw would basically be like just a big picture of Vince overlooking the ring or something. There'd be like a big portrait yeah. somewhere. Like you'd, it would just be this like Vince McMahon memorial talk forever. Oh, this God, yeah, I imagine. There's times where I've seen you see a Noki go well over the top when he's there and sort yeah, of build himself Noki up. Yeah, but they got a Noki dodge what fifteen years. I was going to say, and then um, when Noki was, you know, punching Nakamura, that was a warning sign. At, at all those big shows with Antonio Pena, um, where they, you know, his sister comes out holding the urn and the rest of it to that Rocky Four music. Oh yeah, and. And comes out, and they do that. That's hardly over. That's that's like almost it's be completely minuscule to what happened if something happened to Vince My or God. even any member of the McMahon family. And they, you know, it would just be talking about this absolute genius. Yeah, that's the problem. And like that's like the big thing for me this week, a big eye opener, and like the. You know, if anyone was still hanging on to the any kind of, oh yeah, you know, Vince is still he's still you know the best man for the job. He's still this wrestling genius. Like these these last few weeks of of just be, being so stubborn and sticking to his guns, even, you know, doing a WrestleMania when no one needs a WrestleMania in two weeks. Doing these shows where, like, one, he doesn't even trust the wrestlers to the point where when there are matches in the ring, they're cutting away immediately to, to ad breaks and the commentary desk, and then they're showing classic pay-per-view footage, and then they're doing really scripted, terrible segments, like that Gronk segment, and, and you know, King Corbin and... You know, the Miz cutting a promo to a crowd that's not there. These are all, like, the one thing I will say, you know, we'll say AEW are actually innovating and doing interesting things with the with the, with the the no crowd thing. There are people in WWE who are creative people. There are people who probably are having all these, say, you know, simple things like moving the camera somewhere else and, you know, not working a, a non-existing crowd and just putting some wrestlers in the crowd. I'm sure there's people in WWE where they came up with these ideas, but you're not getting past the fucking lunatic at the top, are you? Like, while SmackDown was going on on Friday, I kind of had like a, a again, I was like on day six six of my, uh, my my enforced isolation and I was don't judge me for this but I had split screen I had Smackdown on and I had GCW on at the same time like because I just wanted to like, keep one eye on what the fuck they were going to do with Smackdown and when GCW what is basically a shindy from like east from the east of America we were running a show with like there are literal like somebody's brought their entire family along the crowd was like some mum and dad that they had a baby there was like an old man at one point like there were there were cardboard cutouts of John Cena and Pitbull. Like <laughs> it was like and there was a bloke. There was a, there was like one man stood at like the bar looked proper. Cool. You, if you if you see any of these shows, you're like, I can't really see them being for you. But they had like a man at, at a bar. Like it like looked like the coolest. Like I don't even know where it was. I think it was Philadelphia. Like the coolest underground Philadelphia bar. There was a point where I think Nick Gage's match went to the toilets, and it was like these graffiti laden toilets. You could you could almost smell the place watching it on VO, watching it live on a independent wrestling TV. Like it, you could it was proper shindy and proper low rent uh, and they they weren't taking themselves seriously Joey Janela was drunk on commentary there were wrestlers in the balcony you could literally see wrestlers in the balcony definitely practicing their matches for later on despite all of that presentation came across more professional than WWE came across less business exposing than WWE like I will take Joey Janela 
and Jimmy Lloyd doing a social distance rules match where the idea of the match is they've got to be six feet away from each other at any point. So they'd like do a Canadian destroyer, but literally Jimmy Lloyd would be doing the move and Joey Janela was at the other side of the the, the, the ring selling for it. You know what I mean? They were like, there was like a, a power... It was a bit like watching the Invisible Man match where they were both bumping for each other despite the fact they weren't touching each other. It was silly. You can say it exposes the business, but at this point, like I was literally... Who I, cares? I got, honestly, Joe, I got so bored this week. I was on Twitter arguing with people about that stuff because I was like, if anything exposes... You can't kick off about the business being exposed by a match like this at this point when WWE's putting what they're putting on TV and it's getting seen by millions of people segments like that Gronk segment for me Joe Janelle and Jimmy Lloyd might as well have been a shoot fight compared to that and yeah at this point who cares like who you know, really you know the business is exposed there are a million documentaries yes. on the WWE network yes. that talk in depth about the business just today while I was doing a bit of work I was watching that Austin Undertaker interview on the network I gotta say really good stuff I'm about an hour through mm. really enjoying it so far but you know what that exposes the business like the business is exposed yeah people are smart people know that it's a work Edwina Curry was even sort of clued into it this evening. <laughs> oh, yeah, she thought the uh, Booker T and Steve Austin grocery store thing was a shoot, did you? Oh, yeah, mate, I was thinking, get her in mania. Stick <laughs> Edwina Curry in the front row. Give her own private little, you know, viewing. Maybe Trump can go along. He can try what Major succeeded with back in the day. I don't know if Edwina Curry would be his sort, you know, <laughs> knowing Trump. I think he's more into his daughter, if anything, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. It's like the argument is like if you put like a non wrestling fan, like take one of your fam- take your mum and dad, Joe, or take like any any family member who doesn't like wrestling. If you put them in, sat them in front of a Baron Corbin promo on Raw and SmackDown where he's speaking to a crowd that's not he there, he is the dirt worst. I'm doing a scripted bollocks, or would they prefer to watch Joey Janelle and Jimmy Lloyd take the piss and do a do a social distance rules match? I reckon nine times out of ten, your non wrestling fan's going to get more value out of that. It, absolutely because it's funny and mm. it, it's mm. self-aware whereas wwe has zero self-awareness and just feels dated in the past and there's no cool factor about it whereas a dive bar in philadelphia mm. with a couple of lads faffing around having a good bit of fun entertaining the likes of you ben i saw mm. some gifts i laughed at the gifts they were they were genuinely funny yeah, yeah. like i don't know if i'd watch this whole show but I could definitely watch that match and get a kick out of it. Yeah. And the part of the problem is WWE wouldn't even acknowledge what social distancing is. Yeah. It's not even a thing to them. It doesn't exist in that world. So that's how far, you know, they won't even acknowledge that. And mm. I thought what they did from, like I say, I haven't seen the match, but those those few gifts that I did see made me think, I would like to see because it, it just seems like it, it just seems fun and done in the right way. I, I got to and, see I got to see Nick Gage made the Pitbull. Like, what's better than that? What like singing is in Pitbull the singer? Yeah, they had like a carbo cut out of him, and on night one, Nick Gage during his entrance ripped his head off. And then they had him enter oh. the Clusterfuck Battle Royal later that night. And I know that's like meme wrestling nonsense, but genuinely, there was a point in that Clusterfuck Battle Royal where they had a, where they had the cardboard cut out of John Cena in the match, and at the exact same time on Real SmackDown, they were showing a replay of the uh, I think it was a previous John Cena and Bray Wyatt match. And I was like, you know what's far more entertaining and, and, and far like better? It's this. I'd rather watch cardboard cut out. Oh, their matches are all oh bad, bad stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And let's look forward to a. It more interesting one for no fans, or aren't they doing it over <laughs> multiple venues or something? Uh, apparently, yeah. I think that's one of the ones I could see them doing in the woods or something, because I think they are. In his, 
treehouse of fun or what? whatever it is. <laughs> like the time that him and Randy Orton had a fight in a crack house. Oh, yeah. Like a fucking meth den in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. And they trashed the house. Oh, they God. had cameramen in there. It was a WrestleMania moment, no, mate. to acknowledge. The worms yeah. on the canvas, you know, big moments, big moments. So, yeah, it's 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 GCW exposing the business, not not that shite that the Jim Small on his podcast tried. Remember when he tried to defend that on his positive podcast, tried to do a good review of the Randy Orton Bray Wyatt That's WrestleMania when match. progress was over for yeah. me. Oh. Like, I was like, mm, I'm not sure about this anymore. Oh. And that was like the nail in the coffin. It was like, yeah. No, they killed all credibility that they've got. Yeah, bigging up Jinder Mahal. Oh, and his title run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fuck. So, well, you, no, it was a great Carly, and he goes, well, the thing is, you, you might not guess, like, he can't walk, mate. How the fuck can he wrestle? <laughs> I don't know, mate. This week I watched the great Carly versus a giant sing, the old giant silver in Japan. Uh, for my sins, I Jesus. watched that match this week, yeah. Back when he could move, he still couldn't move that well, though. What made you watch that? Oh, we've been doing like a, me and my mates have been doing like a playlist of different matches with different categories. We had a big man night, uh, and unfortunately, that was a <laughs> that was one of the uh, the matches in our big man night. Sounds like a great night. <laughs> oh yeah, we got to see there was a Kane match in there, which wasn't the uh, wasn't the best. Uh, Sheamus Daniel Bryan, I think, was one of the matches in that. I don't think that that doesn't that counts as a big man match, does it? Um, but yeah, there was some uh, some very my, my one of my favourite there, and it's a match we're going to be talking maybe later in the week. Uh, Bossman and Vader. Uh, we'll save that. Though. That was a that was oh, a, yeah. a match. Yeah. We'll be talking about that. Hey, I was looking Bossman Kabashi last night. Was you? Yeah, good stuff. One of Bossman's better singles matches. I prefer Bossman Vader though. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, I was I've got uh, Kabashi, uh, Dan Spivey from the same year lined up to watch probably tomorrow. Bit of Kabashi, Steve Williams from '93 last night as well. Excellent match. And uh, what was the other one? Kabashi and Asako against uh, Furnace and uh, Crowfer. Which ah, oh, Furnace and Crowfer, one of those underrated tag teams ever, if you ask me. Just don't get the praise they deserve. What a team they were. So many. Just forgotten matches that don't get mentioned enough. And they come out to Welcome to the Jungle. Like, what entrance music? Yeah. I was at the All Japan Bend is back on. <laughs> <laughs> Need to get your All Japan podcast going, Joe. Uh, mm, I'm not. Uh, my knowledge isn't good enough. Like, you know, there are people whose knowledge of All Japan during that period is far deeper than mine. They ran a show today, you know. Yeah. I was with uh, Mihara against. Um, Sawama. Yeah. Have you seen it? I've heard what's happened. Is it any good? No, no, I haven't heard. I haven't seen that. Okay. But I've I heard the result. Okay, you're being like mysterious about the result. Oh well, I don't know. Spoiler alert: Mihara lost. All right. And he was going to be. He was going to be. If he'd won, he would have tied with Kawada for most offences. Oh right. So it had that kind of historical element to it. Oh okay. And I think it's like Suwama's sixth run or something like right, that. Right. Okay. With it, with it as well. But. Yeah, so as a, as a link to the All Japan you're watching now. Thanks. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I, don't know I, I, watched one, I, I watched a, a cracking All Japan match this week as well. It's it's kind of a very well-known one. Um, uh, Six-man between, finally got around to watching it, Kabashi, Kawada, Misawa versus Jumbo Saruta, Tawei and uh, Fuchi. Masafuchi, yeah. Masafuchi, yeah. And it's 51 minutes, which I, I really honestly wasn't aware of while I was watching. I did think, my, you know, this is long, but it was never dull. Mm. Like, for a 51-minute long match, I mean, it was pretty extraordinary and relentless. And Tawei, my God. I mean, 
I always think with Tawei, because part of the issue is is that he's not naturally charismatic or as or has that kind of body that the other three pillars do. But what he brings to the table and the, the stuff that in that match that's playing off the feud he had with Kawada as well, which obviously oh, then leads to the feud. big kind of like yeah. them going together and becoming a tag team. Um, it was fantastic. And there's, there's, I just didn't find it to be like any dead spots. It's just like kind of relentless. Young Kabashi as a seller. He, oh, he's amazing. He is. He's just phenomenal. It's the fire in his comeback yeah. as well that I love. It's so good. And the crowd just completely behind him, completely into the character well, and his story. Every time people were cheering for at various stages for everyone in that match, regardless, depending on who was selling at that particular moment in time. I think even uh, maybe even Jumbo. Jumbo kind of plays that kind of, I suppose you'd think of him as like a Hanson. He doesn't sell a lot. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Doesn't sell a lot. He's kind of a tweener at a time where there really isn't tweeners. It necessarily he's just kind of like this brutal workhorse. Well, he's got a lot of time. presence about him at that point. Yeah, he well. really does. And is a kind of vying who's going to be the one to kind of take over from him in that sense. And you can see, so there's all this underlying stuff that becomes that's like very much at the start of the jerk of like all three of them are in different places between Kawada. Um, Kabashi and um, Misawa they're all in different places but it's interesting to see where they are at that particular moment in time because you've got Misawa at that point becoming the number you know becoming the ace of the company as well so it's an amazing match if you get around to watching these and by gods you know we're at the point where yeah we'll have watched potentially all of all Japan at this time will make <laughs> sense to us. So, so Joe will be a historian by the end of it all. Oh, I don't know about that. There are much the ditch. Well, you know the man who's got the resource. He's a far more knowledgeable man. <clears throat> if you want an all Japan podcast, track down the ditch. Yeah. I'm sure he get do some cracking content on all mm-hmm. Japan. But yeah, I say Eastern Lariat and um, uh, Post Puresa as well. WH dead. They're the ones. Yeah, WH is your man. But that's kind of what this week's been, hasn't it? It's. I think it's going to be like this for the next few weeks. I am. Fa- I'm not someone who goes back and watches a lot of stuff. Like I- I'd like to, but like we mm. have. A- we had a hard enough a time, don't we? Like week to week, keeping up with new stuff as it's airing each week, you know, and 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 keeping up with the news and just finding time to do things that aren't wrestling. Like this is the time to go back and watch retro stuff. Like I've. I've been oh, watching- mate, I'm. I'm enjoying. Uh, I, I'm not enjoying what's going on. Mm. It's fucking shite. Let's be honest here, but, you know, the opportunity to go back and watch old stuff is kind of getting me through, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie, I was loving that old match of a day yesterday. Like, Shepherd Wednesday versus Derby from 1993 in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Absolute belter of a game it was. Proper football played the way I love football. Proper shirts as well. Sanderson sponsor on the Shepherd Wednesday kit. <laughs> Bumpy ground, Viv Anderson holding the line at centre-back, <laughs> playing a sweeper role at times, pushing forward a little bit to link the play between the midfield. Lots of clumsy players, but then genius moments from Chris Waddle as this kind of chauvinistic maverick. Oh, it was fucking brilliant. I was like, oh, football shit these days, as much as I still love football. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is the game I lo- I fell in love with. It was It was so good. And, you know, me and JP had a great night watching WCW Spring Stampede 94 on Saturday as well. Yeah. So much old stuff I've been enjoying as a result of... Uh, well, like we did watch 
the first part of the Chris Benoit documentary. Yeah, as that was well. bleak. Oh, yeah. That was that was bleak. Oh, you saw it as well, Ben. I did. I did. Yeah, like it's one of them. Like, hopefully that the, the. I mean, the second half's going to be even more depressing, but like you're going to get more of the oh, full yeah. story when that comes out tomorrow. But yeah, that was a that was an especially my double act that night. I watched I watched ROH Manhattan Mayhem from 2005, and I watched the Chris Classic. Benoit documentary as a chaser. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that Manhattan Manhattan Mayhem, Joe. Honestly, like I used to say, it was the best ROH show ever. I'm not 100 percent on that at the moment, like rewatching it, but it's up there. Like as far as like flow of a show goes, and as far as like just a, a fast paced sub three hour show, I think it's it's one of Game's peaks. Like that, it, it's pure. Like it's 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 the Rottweilers boiled down to their purest oh. elements. The Rottweilers in New York, homicide and Loki running fucking mayhem. Julius smokes off his face, sprinting around them while they're doing it. Like that main event, that Jay, that match against Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe. Like that is one of my favorite Ring of Honor matches of all time, and it's also one of my favorite message ball moments of all time. Because I remember when they did that uh, the cop killer double stump combo finish. I remember oh. I distinctly remember being on the ROH board and people trying to. Explain what it was, and was not really getting like how 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 do you do a, a cop killer and do a double stomp at the same time? And then the three weeks later, when the DVD finally came and I got to watch it, it was like, oh, that's how you do it, and it lived up to the billing. My God, is that a match? Yeah, probably Gabe's greatest dangerous oh, as well. Yeah, 100%. After that. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's so good. And Jay Lethal's so good as the underdog. Loki's so good kicking ass. But yeah, like I, I had so much fun watching that. Like we we'll have to like cover some of the, one of these shows in detail at one point because like I was having a whale of a time. Watch that. I skipped through it really, but I, I saw the there was like the one of the matches in that uh, CM Punk Jimmy Ray feud, which is awful match. Yeah, it's bad. But it's still one of my favorite feuds in ROH. That like I just love the pure bait. Like CM Punk comes out as like a. He's supposed to be this pure baby face, but as what happened to him in the East a lot of the time, he got a bit of booze. But he did walk out like full people people wanted him to kill Jimmy Rave and he walked out like more a baby face because of the Jimmy Rave and, and Prince Nana smoking mirrors. He cut that remember that promo where the camera follows him backstage and he cuts the he, all in one take, he cuts that promo backstage on the stairs. That's on this show. There's a Solidaries and and Shelly match where Shelly himself cuts a really good emo promo earlier on the night. Definitely up there with one of the great ROH shows of all time. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's one I'll have to have a watch at some point. And Method Man and Red Man are there as well, aren't they? Are they? Because I remember hearing that story because there was like, where they were supposed to be like, because I mean, they're obviously wrestling fans from, from their stuff. I'm sure they, they were like supposed to be involved with the wrestler or something like that. I can't remember what the story was while they were there. Well, this would have been a bit 2005, wrestler was 2009. Oh, right, I know okay. Nick Cage was at shows in 2007. <laughs> oh yeah, when he was supposed to be doing the role. Yeah, yeah, thank God that didn't. I, I like Nicolas Cage. Leaving Las Vegas, I think, is one of my favourite performances ever. But, you know, I don't a know. A long if he, time ago now. Yeah, yeah. Won an Oscar for it, didn't he? But I don't know yeah. if he was right for that for the wrestler. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can't no. imagine anyone else in that role other than Mickey Rourke. So. What year was Method Man in the Wire? Oh, uh, he came comes in in season two, so 2003. He's so good, didn't it? Isn't he? He was like a walking ball of charisma. Like, he is brilliant. She's Wagstaff. Yeah, what a hate. Oh, and, 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 Spoilers Charles in season five, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spoilers for the wire, Joe. but you know, all because of prop Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Proposition prop Joe Lemon. Method Man had a good run in the wire series two to five. You know, good yeah, solid right. run there. Oh, he did that right. He He's did, one of the one of the better rapper actors, I would say. Method Man. He always comes across well on screen. Charisma comes yeah. out. Ludacris, I quite like. Yeah, yeah. You know, Fast and Furious. You know, big fan. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A few other films are... Um, Common. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about him in rap, but I saw him in John Wick 3. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, lads. God I'm not going to pretend. God help me with the show notes on this one. <laughs> I don't know what subject we're even up to here. Ah, it's a mess of a show, this one, isn't it? No. Yeah, exactly. Weren't we talking about the Benoit documentary before? I think <laughs> I think that's where we were going. Yeah, on a happier note. I'll just um, have non-wrestling and wrestling in the show notes and then people can work yeah. it out for themselves. Yeah, that was... Um, so it was the first hour that they released. Mm. And obviously it's um, it's going to be, you know, at time of recording, it's going to be on the Tuesday when it comes out. Um, and I thought a couple of notes from it, they've really increased on the production value. It looks like this is filmed in a much more, like, it seems a lot more in-depth and a lot more, I suppose, to a certain degree, better research show at points. Although there are stories, you know, Dave Meltzer's obviously not happy. because yeah, that stuff's shocking. That, Bruce, which is that awful. Bruce Pritchard stuff has worked. Yeah. Shows you the danger of fake news. Like, very Trumpian approach that Pritchard's taken with that stuff. Oh, yeah. To be um, fair, the producers have come out and denied it. I don't know if you've seen that. They've said that uh, it, it was an editorial decision and they wanted it to just be friends and family and, and reduce the amount of like outside voices in. I don't know really what to believe on that story now. Friends, mm. family and Jim Cornette. Uh, Jim Ross as well, who's in full work wrestling mode, which wasn't isn't the best. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So, yeah, no, you're going to ignore the sort of, regardless of whatever you think of him, the world's foremost wrestling journalist yeah. on advantage of a man like Bruce Pritchard, who I wouldn't trust for him to get me a fucking packet of crisps, really, <laughs> without him doing something like spiking them, because he just wouldn't fucking trust him. You're not a fan of him in TNA? No, he always came across, you just you just always thought, oh, God, he would just lie to you all the time. He really would do. Yeah. He is, I always imagine that he is the person they actually describe when they talk a lot about Paul Heyman. It's really kind of Bruce Pritchard as much as anything else. He's the shit Pritchard brother. He is. Yeah. In the in the same way that Vince is the shipman man, brother. I'm all about Rod McMahon. <laughs> and those nephews of his who could have been the his own version of the Road Warriors if yeah, he played yeah. his fucking cards, right? Well, well, Rod was meant to appear, wasn't he, the night of Vince's funeral, which yeah. was... Uh, oh, the Benoit around that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's... How did you feel it coped with it? Because obviously Benoit is something that, you know, we've never really gone into... Um, and is something that isn't still spoken about to this day. Mm. Um, the impression I got of it at the first half is it went into, uh, and there were a couple of things where I thought, mm, I don't know about this, like the timing and stuff of when they went to certain companies, which is always going to bother me. So not really mentioning it or an ECW, for example, but the stuff they did with Eddie as being like Eddie Guerrero as being like a really crucial part yeah. of, what led him to that place and going into depth on both of them and then what it meant and not forgetting Nancy Sullivan and all, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Nancy Benoit and all of this because of, of what had happened. And it can be very easy to just like go on about rather like the OJ Simpson trial where they just went on about OJ and never about um, uh, uh, Nicole is, is exposed kind of, kind of gets ignored. And in this mm -hmm. case, there seems to be enough of a background on here and it's more complex. But then obviously, as soon as you see David Benoit and you see who he looks exactly like. That is a shocking like, moment, isn't it? The first time they show it, him on camera, even though we all know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's all knows that, you know, it's coming and you've seen pictures of him before and he's there. And 
my god, you feel for him. Yeah, you do. Like the the old, the old footage of like him and him and Daniel, like that's hard to watch, isn't it? Um, yeah. Just in general, you can see how much like he, he's been like a meme, hasn't he? You know, because he, he turns up at WWE shows and it, it's always a bit weird because he is just the, the, the twin of his dad. But like hearing his version of the story and how much he obviously idolized his dad, um, and just seeing the family element to it, like I thought he was great, and, and I really thought that, that Nancy's sister, who did that, yep. she did that Jericho podcast maybe about a year and a half ago, something like that, where yep. she for me coloured in a lot of the other side of the story about Benoit and about you know this isn't Roid Rage. There's and we'll, I think we'll get more of that in the second half that we can hopefully talk about next week in more detail. But you know that there's there was more to this. He was acting deranged in the lead up to it. The Eddie Guerrero story, as I mentioned, JP is so intertwined with this. I'm glad they took that editorial decision to do them both together. Uh, yeah, maybe as sad as it is for you know for Eddie to be wrapped up in in this story but i thought chavo guerrero for his part was really was really you know you emphasize with him a lot um and his story uh i just uh, I thought that, i thought that yeah they, they've done well in get i think that's probably the jericho connection in that they've gotten so many of like the people who were there firsthand vicky guerrero as well but i really do think yeah all that stuff enhances it a lot yeah it really does and i think one of the stories i remember hearing um dave Meltzer talking about it as well is the fact that um uh I'm trying to think of what the, what is his sister's name? Is it Sandra? Sandra. Sandra. That her and David Benoit are actually quite close, and that's one of the things. Jericho that, got him back. Yeah, in contact, Jericho got him back in contact, and he was staying in contact there as well. And I listened to that um, uh, talk is Jericho episode as well. It's a fascinating story, and it looks like it's been dealt with in the right way because one of the fears is when they were going to talk about the feature film that was going to be made, and you were like, Oh, oh no. This is yeah. going to be awful. And this isn't a subject that you can kind of, you can't skimp over facts on it. It just doesn't work that way. Leave Schreiber as Benoit. Oh. That's being rumoured. Yeah. Oof. But you know all the things they get wrong. I mean, like, I know it's a lighter note, but that McMahon film, Autobi- oh, I want to see that. The bit with Linda around the back of a strip club or something. <laughs> that oh, scene yeah, alone, yeah. I was like, yes, I want to <laughs> see this. John Hamm as Vince. Like, great casting. You see John Hamm in last week's Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. He's great. Man's He's, like, got He's good. <laughs> you are. He's good as playing, like, pretend Larry, isn't he? Oh, mate, it was brilliant. My girlfriend loves John Hamm. She loves Mad Men as well, so she was loving it. It was... It was a great episode. It was classic Curb, if you ask me. Also, Pooba was just yeah. How? What? I, I'm not sorry. I'm just not in the mood for this tonight. I, <laughs> I'm an absolute shit form. I can't put a proper sentence together. <laughs> You're all right. I can't talk about anything. And I've just seen Sports Direct is staying open, and Mike Ashley said it's an essential service because they sell uh, workout equipment. Fucking hell. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I think on Benoit, we're probably going to talk more it next week. We've got like the full yeah. puzzle, haven't we, about the second half? But I would implore people to, you know, you can't really watch it if you're in the UK legally. It's not on 4OD yet. There might be places you can watch Dark Side of the Ring Season 2, is all I'm saying. But I would, I would, I would hunt it out because I think they did a really good and classic. It's like a 45 minute episode, isn't it? Episode 1. Yeah. And I think they do a really good job of telling the story in that time. Despite the fact that, yeah, maybe Meltzer would have enhanced it and maybe Jim Ross wasn't the best pick for uh, for one of the, uh, the the weaker talking heads on it. Yeah, exactly. But the, this is a series I'm going to watch and, you know, I watched the last series and, and the last series was very much sort of up and down for what it is. Mm. Some of the topics in this look interesting. Some of which I'm, I'm just sort of thinking, well, why are they there? There's an episode entirely about New Jack Oh and hell yeah! About the mass transit, and I and I am there for that because that's someone who I've always wanted to see live, just the once. 
if God. only for the like you know to hear natural born killers you and Jack Nick out. Gage is a match that someone's got to make oh. at some point <laughs> I'd take it you know what Joe well, wasn't this if there was a mate mania next year wait for it build that up for another year yeah <laughs> Yeah, Nick Nage is like the most one of the more charismatic wrestlers since New Jack. I think he's carrying that mantle pretty well. Like I saw, I saw him this week in front of an empty arena come out, and his entrance was as good as it is when he comes out to like fifty fans that like hounded him. Like I was getting hyped up in my living room as he was getting hyped up in front of like three people and a baby. What a man that man is! He's you need to get him over here. Is he your favourite ex-con? Um. You've put me on the spot there. He's up there with New Jack, JP. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think New Jack's killed a man before. Has he? He said that on the Beyond the Map, but then at times you suspect he's just bullshitting to get in with the director so because of the Ron Howard connection so he can get those um, auditions that New Jack has in Beyond the Map. I can't remember. I've not seen Beyond the Map in years. Oh, yeah. That's what... Obviously, well worth. Yeah, I might have to revisit. I remember all the Jake stuff or the Foley stuff. Yeah, but no, I don't remember that bit. Yeah, and the sort of uh, New Jack is like the kind of I'll say the fourth or fifth character who's kind of always there, right? That they come back to for a bit. But yeah, yeah, you where they do the line New about Jack City, Denzel's best mate. That's like the line, isn't it? That's the classic line. That's it. Yes, mm. he, he's not Denzel, but he could be Denzel's mate. <laughs> just like fucking hell. Yeah. You're a fan of New Jack City. I'm a big, big fan. I am. It's not Boys in the Hood. No, but it's pretty uh, good. But, Different but tone, it is though, pretty it? good. Of yeah. its time. It's you know, snipes in his prime. Yeah. Any bit with a Judd Nelson acting fucking hard. Chris, I'm always up Chris Rock as a crack addict. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Ice T. One yeah. of his best performances. Well, I say performance. Uh, being still, Ice T. Still Ice T, so yeah, you're, you're only getting yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. Only so much blood out of that stone. It's true. He was. Just, I was thinking of another IC film the other day, Trespass. Oh, yeah, I know from. that one. That's the only other film I've ever seen. Argyle from Die Hard in. <laughs> oh, my God, of course he's, <laughs> he's in that. He's like, that little guy who's getting like... See, like a, he might be a crack addict in that, actually, old Argyle. Yeah. Bill, pa- Bill Pats- Paxton as well. That's right, yeah. 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 <laughs> the base on the treasure of Sierra Madre. But you're very much right. Ice-T plays Ice-T. It's like when he did that. What was that show that used to be on live, on on Channel Five or Channel Four? Was it Hustlers? Was that the show? Where it was like him and a gang of uh, like con men, and it used to be on like at one in the morning, like pretty much every night. It was like their go to TV. Any of you remember that? I, I, I don't at all. But do it you was know Ice T playing Ice T though. Fuck it, let's get it on. It, it was one of those shows we, we where that point. at the end of every hour, the real con was the episode that you just watched. It was that same like layer upon layer heist movie shite. Oh, Jesus. Ocean's Eleven does have a lot to answer yeah. for him, doesn't it? Um, by the way, I was going to say, we've, we've managed to go two hours and three minutes, and despite the fact that we've like there's a government shutdown going on and we're on lockdown, JP, we've still left it to the last couple of minutes to let you talk about MLW. I'm sorry. One day, yeah, <laughs> even, even in the face of nothing going on, we still haven't given poor MLW the time. I know you watched a lot of that this week. I don't know if you want to get we- that in before we go too long. Well, I watched it. I mean, just to say on it, really, because it's one of these shows where the wrestling in and of itself as on this TV show is never that great, mm. generally, because they, they have to go a bit rough and ready with the kind of people they get in. But my God, it's it's well done. It's eclectic. They kind of, they're very good at papering over the cracks with a lot of the kind of budgetary stuff. So they've got like, 
you know, MJF is finally in a loser leaves MLW match against Mance Warner, who they've been building up for the longest time. They've set up the rest of the dynasty afterwards. What they've got on it. What do you think and, on that? I, I don't know. Like I watched, I watched the, the mm. latest episode of TV, and it was the first time seeing the dynasty without MJF. And I like that they're trying to do it, but like, surely, like MJF of all people is one of those wrestlers who could do with the TV time, could do with some more time in a setting like MLW. Surely that'd be a safe place for them to continue to develop and get better. It would be, but I just think it, it probably comes down to just TV contracts mm. as much as anything else. And not wanting him to appear on on another, I I agree with you on this. Because at one point in time, I thought they're going to have a kind of relationship where they could send a private party yeah. to MLW, and they would do quite well, and just kind of get yeah, people a few ages. other bookings, like almost like a New Japan style system where yeah. you sort of farm someone out for a year. But yeah, I think they, there's guys in AW need dates. Like mm. how often a private party working? Yeah, and this should be the point where they are working as much as possible. And, and here, butchering the blade. They're yeah. getting on TV most weeks, but get them out in like a Beyond Wrestling or something. It's in in this case as well. MLW produces a good enough of enough product. It's not a threat in any way, shape, or form. But I suspect, whereas a lot of companies kind of have ups and downs, their trajectory has been pretty steady over the last while, and the expansion itself and the moves they've put in place to try and expand over the next period of time. Now, obviously, coronavirus is going to have an effect on them as well. But they've got enough footage, and I know they did that big show, obviously, with AAA, where I could see them breaking that down into several parts to put onto TV as well. They've got enough footage in order to have a viable TV product over this point in time and stay somewhat relevant, and that'll be tough for a lot of companies to do. But it moves at a real pace. It's kind of close. I don't know if you think this, Ben. It really is close, with obviously, without the studio element, though, to NWA Power. Yeah, or Impact, really. Yeah, I mean, Impact is the kind of what obvious one there, but it, it's not as immature as Impact. Mm. Impact still has its tendencies. It, it, TNA is going to TNA, isn't it? So it still gets into its, temp, into its tendencies to go for kind of real attitude era, crash TV stuff. Whereas this doesn't have as much of it. It's very much more based around the kind of gang warfare as the overall theme. So you've got dynasty and contra unit and injustice it's a bit like los Bariquas versus the doa in yeah. <laughs> gang wars with but, a z oh, yeah. on this latest show they had an entire segment which was la park and his son really they could have swapped roles you wouldn't have known they're both big lads but la park cooking sausage and eggs i love that yeah uh, <laughs> what? like and then kicking off because he can't chop any onions with it <laughs> And there's nothing else for him to do it. And I was like, what am I watching it? The LA really? Park cooking is... show, that's what you're watching, and that's what we yeah, need. Yeah, I'm watching LA Park cook what looks like a good spicy sausage with some eggs. And I'm like, I'm not convinced he, he set up to do this. But he, did, he was complaining he didn't have a chopping board. He sort of walked up. He was like praising the company and then getting angry at the end and then walking off. Does he have any bread with it? Does he put a, sand- no. a sandwich or anything? No, 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 no. Just the sausage and eggs on their own. Just fries the sausage. With a bit of oil. You'd think he wants some carbs. Like, kind of there. stirs the egg in right. with a bit of oil and then puts the sausage in with the egg. What's he his egg? Scrambled? He's just like fucking scrambling, like in the pan as it's frying. Just like, <laughs> just cracks an egg, puts oh, it in. a fried egg. But he's stirring it around. Right. And then sort of starts to quite poorly chop up the sausage as well. And I was like, this has gone horribly wrong. I don't know where they're going with this. How do you do your eggs? 
I, it depends on okay. the mood right. for it primarily. But I do like scrambled cakes, fried egg in a sandwich, yeah. bacon. Oh, I do enjoy that. <laughs> um, you're not getting on my culinary habits again this week. All right. No, I'm not trying <laughs> to. But it's I've, like as segments go, it's it's weird. It's surreal. And you're watching it going, okay, this is kind of crazy, but it's fine for it being there. There's a lot of stuff they're kind of throwing out at the wall and seeing what sticks. And it's not like they're, they're kind of reinventing the wheel as much as no. anything else. They, they produce a very easy-to-watch, fast-moving show that does its best to kind of hide, rather like the old ECW hardcore TV. Yeah. Not great wrestling, but it's, it does its best to kind of hide the shortcomings a lot of the time. They, Particularly the Von Eriks, who oh, always look ropey, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say they do a good... Like, I've, I've not finished this week's episode. I think maybe I got to the LA Park cooking segment and just needed to lie down. But, like, I was watching... I was kind of binging it a bit and I watched last week's episode. And that's the thing I'd say about MLW is, like, despite the fact that they keep losing talent, despite the fact that, you know, it's a hard landscape right now for an MLW to even exist when so much of people's time is taken up by other products. Like, I always describe it as, like, the the best TV show I don't watch every week. But they do such a great job of, like, dealing with those moving parts. Like you say, getting a Mance Warner in and a Killer Cross in and putting them in, in top-level positions. You know, that that might be not be a chance another promotion at their level might take, but they've got to take it. Like, doing things, like you said, the Injustice stable, like um, Jordan Oliver, Cota Brazil, is it Myron Reed's the third one in that group? That's right, like, getting with the to chest see, protector. Yeah, and they're doing, like, the, they're basically Special KO Blackout. They're doing, like, a very yeah. shindy kind of, like, that kind of gimmick, but it's getting their personalities out you've got colonel robert parker on there like like he walked off 1996 nitro like literally straight into mlw they do a real like they were the we forget that they were the people who started using tony shivani again and brought him back back to wrestling they do a really good job of pulling up these disparate parts together and giving them a chance on their shows like tom lawler like he's been great on their show too he's been he's been a constant like that is what for i almost feel bad that i don't have the time to watch mlw every week and that we leave it till our tower three before we ever talk about it uh, on this yeah. podcast not a priority mate no one's that interested don't, but it's, watch, don't, it, don't feel bad it's <laughs> but the idea i suppose in a time where having some kind of fresh content is king they're one of the few people who are kind of out there consistently putting out a product that's decent um it's whether or not you can get to that next step and that requires outside investment and a tv deal and the rest of it and you know, obviously, current climate, nothing's going to be happening for that. But it's that's kind of where they live or die, mm-hmm. because I don't know how. Although they, you know, they get good crowds for their shows. That's the thing, but they don't overrun that's as well. Good local promotion, mm-hmm. I reckon. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people on that. Do you think I'd like to see Jacob Fatu and Rev Pro at your call show? Not in oh, a main yeah. event. Tom Lawler. Tom Lawler would. Yeah, absolutely. They have. You know. They, so they've got the next week. They've got King Mo versus Loki, with and Dan Lambert cutting like a proper heel promo, like uh, along with King Mo, who has joined. T- oh, I'm ruining the end of it for you there. He joins Team Filthy. Oh wow! So Good he's toying it. So like you're like, oh, okay, this is intriguing because King Mo was looking terrible, really in in the last few weeks until I got Dan Lambert in with him who was really good in, in impact when he was on that for that short run as well. So yeah, when they had Stefan Bonner and Moose trash it, American top teams, Jim, but yeah, MLW, 
if you've got time, and I suspect a few of us do, you might want to watch that. There you go. Anything else you guys have been watching, or should we get out of here? Anything else you want to mention? Uh, yeah, breaking news. You've seen the uh, new match announced for WrestleMania. Oh, no, go on. Oh, it's a big one. Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> okay. That big feud going on right now. Well, I mean, it's no alliance Baron Corbin, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, clearly I'm sold on this now. Yeah. Oh. oh Tommy N, WrestleMania. That's a moment. <laughs> He's getting his big moment. Whatever happened with Rusev after all of that stuff? Oh, he's getting big numbers and he was going to get him over. I don't know, mate. I like to think he's just waiting till his contract runs out and get the fuck out of there. Fingers crossed. Uh, anything else, Dan? Or is that it? What a, what, a great, what a great note to go on. Yeah. Really cheery note to finish up on for that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, if anyone's got any su- suggestions of stuff we could watch, let me know. I'm, I'm stuck for things. To, yeah. If I'm stuck for things to watch this week, I'll uh, I'll probably I'll be, again. Like I said, I've been watching more wrestling than I think I ever had in my life. Uh, unfortunately, I've got to go to work a little bit now, but other than that, uh, I've got time, so I'm willing to watch more stuff like this. I am. I'm certainly willing, at worst, to kind of have it play in the background mm. while I possibly ignore it and do other work in the meantime while cooking a sausage and an egg in the pan uh, at the same I, time not the way he's doing it no well, give it a go see, uh, how it, see how it works out it is one thing we didn't mention on Saturday night it wasn't club sandwiches we had it kind of was but it was it was a version it of was it. like a fancy BLT that we had that were absolutely lovely I might say yeah they were great we'll they talk were. about it more in the bonus episode we will there you go that's something for me to look forward to but yeah, yeah. if you're doing anything with what we're doing and watching old stuff you know get your ratings in on Grapple. Uh, I added a few gra- uh, ratings and you can already check them out for the, for Spring Stampede 94. Gareth's been doing the Lord's work and he actually he did put those GCW shows on I mentioned earlier as well. Um, I, I mean, they weren't shows to watch from a match-by-match point of view, but I would say uh, Chris Dickinson um, and Blake Christian had a really good... It was like the Trentastic Cup. That was the main event. Gave it 3.75 on Grapple. I was just about too afraid to go, to go four on it. Um, but if anybody else seeing that, get, get your ratings in. I think that's roughly what the average is for it now. I got to see Nick Gage kill Jordan Oliver as well. I think I went three and a half on that as well. So, yeah, you can see uh, my ratings from that show, which was was a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully we'll see more and more people putting uh, WCW ratings in as well because I think a lot of people have uh, been doing that over the uh, the last few weeks. But, yeah, other than that, uh, any other plugs, JP? Anything else we should, uh, we should mention? I would just say stay safe and we'll have hopefully fingers crossed another bonus show for you uh towards the end of the week Indeed. other than that find me on twitter at jp jippy three e's brilliant find me on twitter at benson richard e find grapple on twitter at grapple app and yeah uh, we'll have a bonus show should be out friday uh with that wcw review and as long as there's uh, still things to talk about and it seems like there probably will be there'll be a regular show next monday as well so yeah in the meantime stay safe everybody and we'll see you again on friday bye So go on the urban safari, we might see some illegal migrants Oi look there's a chap, that means council housed and vine He's got a hoodie on, give him a hug A second thoughts don't, you don't wanna get mugged Oh shit too late, it was kinda dumb Whose idea was that? Stupid He's got some fun, ain't we all? Be the joker, play the fool It's politics, ain't we all? Smoking mirrors, ain't we all? All year round
changing the rule Get away with murder in the schools Use four letters, swear words cause we cool All drinkers, drug takers Every single one of us run the earth Keep on believing what you read in the papers